You're listening to the Northern Hunter Podcast, home of all things hunting, fishing, and outdoors in Alaska. All right, everybody, welcome back. So, my name is James Payne, your host, and I'm joined here with my co-host, Dalton Gray. Hello, how are you? Fantastic. And Mariah Humphreys. I always can introduce second. We can switch it around I, the next I just, one. I, I don't care. Do I just it? thought I'd... We can go back and redo it. I, I just thought I would <laughs> <laughs> make a big deal about that. <laughs> So you know, it, break it, up the monotony. It's alphabetical with you guys. That's that's it. Yeah. <laughs> so welcome back, everybody. Uh, we have a pretty cool show for you guys. We're going to mix it up a little bit from what we were talking about before. We're going to go with items that should never leave your pack, specific to a hunting pack. Right. When you're out there. So, yeah. And th- these are things that are we feel like particularly important for Alaska. Yep. However it does transfer across a wide variety of western yes, hunting it does and and this is things you can pick things out of this that will be in a date pack if you're just going out for the day that's a big thing i like to look at and you know things that you should also keep when you're considering a longer trip mm-hmm. but before we get into that uh any housekeeping not on my end i don't think we have anything me neither what about you no, I think we're you, good. Got a, you got any housekeeping no no all that's right not, okay no i'm married <laughs> <laughs> Wow. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Alrighty. How about, so I have a, a slight update, not really an update, but just a, a announcement for the people that listened to our earlier episodes. There was an episode, I don't even remember which one it was now, but you had brought up the, Nor- the Western Arctic caribou herd mm-hmm. and how they've been in decline for a little while now. And, yeah. you know, it's, it's been kind of an ongoing thing and I don't, there's not like a whole lot of updates on it. I have some numbers here. Mm-hmm. The, there was no census, you know. In the last two years, 2019 showed 244,000 boo. 2021 showed 188,000. So there has been some decline there. And mm-hmm. I, I don't, you know, the, the reasonings is the same as they've said before. The, the highest issues with predation right now that they're assuming is, or sorry, the mortality rate right now is predation and uh-huh. hunting and, and so on in that area. There is some suspicion on the, the lack of, of food for them, but I don't think that's the main mm. thing they're looking at right now. But okay. more importantly than that, just a little bit of a detailed update there is that there is a working group that's actively working with this. So if it's something you're interested in, if you hunt in the area that this, this What's herd this is group in, called? it's called the Western, Air, or Western Arctic Caribou Herd Working Group, and they have okay. a website huh. you can go to. Huh. It's pretty self-explanatory, yeah. Okay. So if you go to westernarcticcaribou.net, Mm-hmm. You can look up. They've got all kinds of resources here. They've got, they have meetings. They, it looks like they've been having meetings for a long time now. Mm-hmm. Are they making and decent use of the tax money? It seems to be. Uh, you know, if it's something you're interested in and it's an area you hunt in, so and you want to stay up to doing date, to help figure things out. So right now, as far as I can tell, the last update I got was they were working on figuring out how to how to accurately tell the mortality rate in general like at what rate are they are they dying out at you know is it is and it from what and from basically yeah is it a lack of food is it a lack or is it over hunting which i would really doubt or is it over predation maybe there's too many wolves in the area they're trying to figure that out because it's such a massive herd over such a massive range mm-hmm. that they do have a decent amount of numbers out there yeah mm-hmm. but it's not enough to really get some good data and, mm-hmm. and that's the one complaint they were saying is it's just it's been really hard to get an accurate count mm-hmm. of not only the number of caribou in the herd but also the hunting reports. Okay, you know you've got a lot of 
it, it's mostly a subsistence area up there and okay and so but you know there are a lot of guys from southern alaska right south of the, the line is what i mean there mm-hmm. but you know that that do go up there and hunt in that area so uh. it, it's hard to say really at this point they didn't really give any definitive updates but as far they, as what's going on so but they are working to find some they're answers. working on it they're, they're working with a lot of the local communities up there that you know subsist off of this herd they're mm-hmm. working with them to figure out okay how many it, what is the the subsistence requirement mm-hmm. out of this herd mm-hmm. per year yeah and trying to figure out okay well if you guys are going to be taking this many out of the herd if it's per sustainable year, yeah then what kind of a, a harvestable surplus do we have to mm for any other hunters that might be right, going up there right. hunting in that herd yeah and man this they, is they seem to be, several years to really get oh yeah they've been working on it on. for a long time i mean they've they've been watching the herd for i mean as long as you know fishing games really been involved with this kind of stuff but klein has been mostly in the last i, I think they say since i can look it up here but i, I want to say it's been since like 2015 okay. it is really when it started to go down and then it's just mm-hmm. kind of been you know and there's there's different trains of thought you know different you'll hear if you when you talk to people about this around town some is it just swings you know that the populations will get high and then they die off and then the population will get low and it'll come back and then yeah. it'll get low and that's caribou are notoriously volatile as far yeah. as that's concerned you know yeah. so it's just it, they're doing what they can they're doing you know as much control as a, a regulatory process can have yeah so but they seem to be some good guys seem to be you know, it's it's statewide. This mm-hmm. group is. There's guys from Anchorage. There's guys from Fairbanks. There's guys from all over that are working on this. So, mm-hmm. if you're interested in learning, you know, more about that herd and what's been going on with it, more about what they're doing, more about you know, especially if you're like I said, a hunter that goes in that area, yeah, mm-hmm. go check out WesternArcticCaribou.net and they should have everything you need in there. It's a really well done website for, for what nice. it is. Very nice. I was reading on um, uh, Field Ethos's instagram this last week or so you know sometime recently they uh, they they mentioned that montana i'm sorry cooper firearms of montana mm-hmm. was purchased by nighthawk custom mm. uh, from arkansas and okay. the company now cooper firearms will now uh, be distributed by um, nighthawk custom are they going to keep the same lineup or does it say that that's they're going to be what doing they a say they say uh we ask for your patience during this time of transition as we move all of our operations to berryville arkansas at this time we are not able to give you an exact date that cooper rifles will begin operations the process will take time and our goal is to ensure the same great product and customer service from cooper rifles that you've come to know and expect from <laughs> nighthawk customs it will be worth the wait and we know that you'll be thrilled with the quality, craftsmanship, and our excellent customer support. As owner and CEO of Nighthawk Custom, I'm very excited about this acquisition. Cooper has been a long reputation, uh, has a long reputation, I'm sorry, of mm-hmm. building fine and accurate rifles for over 30 years. Each rifle will be built with 100% fully machined parts, stunning wood, hand checkering, and beautiful finishes that are a perfect fit with our existing offerings that we are known for. So, for anyone who doesn't know about Cooper rifles, they are very high end. Yes, you know, they are. Uh, an, uh, an affordable model, <laughs> if from Cooper, is still a few thousand bucks. Yeah. So they they are very well made guns, and they, they have a good reputation. Um, so that that's exciting to see a, a company that went out 
mm-hmm. come back and you know be purchased and kind of revamped. And I'll be curious to see if they if they keep up with the same old standard. I, you know, it sounds like they're mm-hmm. trying to. On another note, but related, Montana Rifle Company, another mm-hmm. company that went out of business just a few years ago, is reportedly coming back in 2023. They are very well known for a modern control feed bolt action receiver and also complete rifles. Uh, they were started in 1999 by Keith Sipe in Kalispell, Montana. Uh, orders were steady, actually increasing when the company closes doors in early 2020 according to a report in Kalispell's Daily Interlake newspaper. Uh, But then uh, American Rifle Magazine contacted uh, somebody this month, and they said he had good news. The the company is, quote, coming back in 2023, end quote. He responded in the email. So anyway, this is the the, the model 1999 receiver is a Mauser-style control round feed system. Uh, and it's, you know, it, it says laid the firm's foundation solidly on performance, timeless function, and looks to match. It ultimately became available in three versions, classic, high country, and tactical in different finishes and even wearing synthetic stocks. So um, Jeff Sipe, his son and former Kimber employee, took over the firm in 2007. And uh, let's see there, 2016. Uh, talks about some NRA banquets and anything like that. In 2019, Montana Investment Group bought the company. The next year, the doors closed. Cool. So, you know, Man. I, I mean, now obviously, the, the, the decision's timing, it says, may be coincidence. This is reading from an article in American Rifleman. The decision's timing may be coincidence, but the first states in U.S. to enact COVID-19 restrictions did so on March 15, 2020. Painful raw material shortages and shipping backlogs followed. So anyway, uh, so anyway, it says at the time, Montana Rifle Company had only 22 employees, a modest number that likely made it a low priority among suppliers already feeling the pinch. So Everybody was having a hard time getting materials anyway. Right. But if you're a small company like that, that's just making a very specific type of product, they're not yeah. making thousands and thousands of guns, you know? So anyway, I'm really glad to see Montana Rifle coming back. Yep. I'm excited because at one point I was, I, I was going to purchase a Montana Rifle um, because it's a control feed. It, it's that Model 70 uh, full control round feed action. Very reliable, great, dangerous game type of gun. I hope they make one in 375 Ruger. Mm-hmm. I'd like to see one chambered in that. And I, I don't know if they ever did that before. I know they chambered them in H&H, 375 H&H at one point. But uh, I, I hope that they chamber it in 375 Ruger. That would be a really great gun. Yeah. Stainless, synthetic stock, control feed. I mean, what's not to love? Because yeah. right now, Winchester is not making a stainless 375 H&H. Mm. And... Ruger is the only other company that I that I think is out there making a control feed 375 Ruger. I believe you're correct. On other this. companies are making 375 but Rugers, push but feeds. they're push feeds yep. and even detachable magazines and so on and so forth. Yeah. So, yeah anyway. There, you know, there's been a lot of moving moving around with gun companies in the last yeah. several years. I mean, yeah. everything, I mean, moving states. and The market's and moving, been tough. Yeah. It's been very tough. I, I will say just on the on the topic of, companies moving around the 
the Ruger designed Marlins. Mm, I am yes. really looking to get my hands on one of those. Yeah. I really want to. I think they've done everything a really I've great read, job. they say it's the best Marlin forty five seventy ever made. Yep. So I'm super excited for that. I'd be curious to get my hands on one, take a look at it. Well, anyway, we yeah. should just jump right into the meat of our conversation today about things that should never leave your pack. Yeah. So I'll let you go ahead and take number one. All right. So on, the, our, on our list here. So number one, we've got a whole list of things that we're going to bring in here. Yeah. Yep. And, and again, this is just stuff that we have used, we think is, you know, kind of a, a essential. essential of our kits. And, right. And <laughs> just a little, little back there. I know our, our last episode got a little technical, so hopefully we didn't lose anybody on that one. And we're, we're going to go on a different, little bit different direction yeah. here. So <laughs> we are very passionate <laughs> but, <laughs> about bullets and ballistics and calibers. Yeah. And, so. So hopefully you guys hung in with that one and enjoyed it, but we're going to be going a little bit different direction with this one. Point in case, the first thing on my list is by 10 tarp. So an ultralight so tarp. Ultralight. You know, it doesn't have to be anything fancy. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be anything more than just what you throw leaves in mm-hmm. in your yard. You can go get a, any run-of-the-mill 8 by 10 tarp. They do make better ones. I've mm-hmm. had some that I found at Sportsman's that are more of a... I guess you could say more like a, a nylon kind of mm. weaved. Mm-hmm. No, not, not weaved. That's not the word I'm looking for. Woven. It's, <laughs> it's like a like quilted almost. Okay. And, and it's really nice stuff. And it, it's more, it's still waterproof. Is it heavy? No, not really. It's, it's more compact. I mean, you can get an 8x10 in a much smaller package yeah. than you would yeah. your standard lawn tarp. Yeah. <laughs> but... I, I don't think anybody should be carrying a lawn tarp around. So uh, I'll just well, say if, if you're backpacking. And, and, and on my moose kit yeah, is a dry bag with big canvas dry bags for moose quarters and, and a tarp to, to put the meat on. Mm-hmm. Just it's really easy to keep, keep it, it clean. Yeah. Yep. Well, and, and that's yep. the big reason I carry one in mine. And, and this is no matter what I'm going out, if it's a day trip, if it's a, a big hunting trip with a loaded down backpack, I always have an 8x10 tarp in there. Mm-hmm. And it's it's a multi-purpose thing. You yeah. know, if you end up getting a moose and you have yeah. to lay the quarters out, it's really nice to be able to just cut that moose up or any animal that you're working on. Have it somewhere Throw the clean. quarter to the side yeah, right. and you're not having it in the right. dirt, in the grass, right. in the sticks. It's not getting dirty. You, you don't can, have to game bag it right away. Right. You can yeah. lay it out properly and just get it kind of off to the side while you deal. I mean, moose are big animals. You, yeah. know, you don't want to have to take it. Take time away from working on that animal right uh-huh. so you can set it on that now one thing with that is i would recommend if you do use it for storing game meat on it at any point in time uh-huh. chuck it once you get back to to your home base uh-huh. get rid of that tarp go buy a new one it's going to cost you 20 30 bucks for the good ones you know it's going to be really easy and you don't want to risk any kind of you know, Close it off, or, throw some bleach on it, throw it in the sun, use it over and over again. No. See, I don't do that. It's, it's too much of a I risk. Have, I'm, have, so, I'm so careful with my meat that I, I'll, never, I'll never reuse a tarp like that. Yeah. Do you reuse game bags? After I've washed them very, 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 very much. I, so, I wash them through the cycle at least three times. Hmm. So, so the, for that kind of tarp, I, I can see that. <clears throat> I'm sure a lot of people... Do the same thing, you know. That those those tarps, like you said, they're almost disposable. You know, it's twenty. In, bucks. in my mind, they are. But my version of a never should leave your pack tarp is an ultralight, like a emergency shelter type of tarp. Mm-hmm. So for the application now, what what you said is an essential item. Mm-hmm. It, it's it's a great thing to have. 
when you when you can bring that if you know if you're going on a wheeler hunt or if you're hunting based out of your vehicle that's a great thing to have and i usually have one on my wheeler that i put that i wrap up my backpack in just to keep the mud and water and all the junk off my pack Uh, so that being said another kind of tarp that you should have is an ultralight type shelter tarp that uh and this is more for if you're backpacking if you uh, if you have any chance at all of spending the night out somewhere or getting stuck in a situation where you can't get back to your tent or uh, honestly just for a shelter just to get out of the rain and just glass under um sitka gear used to make a really good one that was camo uh, Mm -hmm. that, that had a lot of great strong guy out points on it i have one of those uh it, it was a christmas present that my dad bought for me years ago <clears throat> and uh, now i i don't believe sitka makes that one anymore um i i have seen a couple sitka tarps around on some new videos from them they haven't officially released it yet okay there is potential that they are going to bring another one out i think i could be totally off and you know I, yeah. anyway we'll see what happens so, but but right now stone glacier does make one that is an ultralight tarp that i you know i and i i have the sitka one i'll probably buy the the stone one just because it's a little bit bigger uh than the sitka is than the sitka one is that i've already got um but th- that being said the uh, i have used the ultralight sitka tarp mm-hmm. to just throw you know, game bags of meat on yep. while I'm going. So it is multi-purpose then. Oh yeah, yeah. So, so on the- that's something that you know. On okay, I'll just use my sheep hunt for example uh-huh. from a couple of years ago. I, I went on a solo sheep hunt. I spent a lot of time during the day um, when I was out there ahead of opener, just glassing underneath that tarp. And what you can do is just tie off the the back two corners and then prop up the front two corners with trekking poles. Tie, tie the top off of your guy lines out to a rock to keep it up and stable. Mm-hmm. You can guy it out and it's just a little, you know, just a little half shelter to get out of the rain and, and mm-hmm. you know, out of the wind. It's really useful for glass and for long hours to stay out of the rain. So on that point of shelter, real quick. Yeah. Uh, make sure you got a good tarp. And the reason I say that is you can grab your blue tarp mm-hmm. from the store. Mm-hmm. They rip easy, though. They do, yeah. and they don't only rip easy. When I was, I don't remember how old I was. I'm going to say 12 to 14, mm-hmm. somewhere in there. My dad and I were going out to uh, Moose Cabin on either Argo or he had an old Cushman tractor he was trying to okay. rebuild. Either way, we were on our way out. It's a long trip, long, slow trip, and it started raining mm-hmm. pretty hard. So we stopped. He pulled the tarp out he gra- had for just that purpose, and we pulled it over the top of us, and we you know, had some branches we tied off to. kind of held it on yeah, top of us. Yeah, yeah. made like a little soft canopy with it. And it just kind of poured for a little bit. I mean, it didn't pour for 10 minutes. We both got quite wet. <laughs> really? it, wasn't an old, it wasn't like an old really? tarp. Huh. It was just a blue tarp. It just huh. dripped through. Now, it had, obviously, it had some use here and there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, so if you're going to use a tarp for shelter, make sure you got one that's going to keep yeah, it That's interesting, because I've used one a bunch of times for that exact purpose, like you said, for glassing, because yeah, they have the yeah. little eyelets on them. Well, and, and so, then, so one so, thing was, it wasn't hanging separate away from us. Uh-huh. Like, we kind of had to hold it up where we were a little bit, too, uh-huh. so I think some of it was just a transfer oh, through. Oh, gotcha, okay. Which is just kind of, you know, it's not necessarily going to happen with every with every blue tarp you buy, but make sure you got something decent. Yeah. Now, what's the price point on, on a tarp like what you were talking about, Dalton? Yeah, the, 100, 100 bucks. 100 bucks? Yeah. 
and they, you know, they, they wash super easy and just mm-hmm. put them in a five gallon bucket with some Dawn dish soap is all I do. If I get blood all over it, wash it when I get home and then set it out in the sun and it's good to go again. And they, they don't stink. They don't hold any, any stench at all. Okay. They're, they're good stuff. The reason that I have hesitated buying the Stone Glacier one is the Sitka one that I've got pitches in such a way that if you were to use it as a shelter overnight, the ends are elongated out. Okay. So that you can, you know, okay, picture you have your typical A-frame style that you set up with two trekking poles in the middle. Right. There are two leather um, trekking pole patch points. Oh, nice. With little indents that you can stick your trekking pole in, mm-hmm. in these two spots in the middle, and then cinch down the sides like an A-frame, and then your ends aren't just wide open like a normal tarp that's a square shape would be, right? So the ends come down a little bit so that you have pretty good enclosure. It doesn't come all the way to the ground like a tent would, right? But it can get the but job done. For an emergency done. shelter. It, it can get yeah. the job done. If you have to spend the night somewhere, those do work. And they're not that heavy. The Sitka one is a little bit heavier than the Stone Glacier one is, I know. Um, but it's camouflage. And usually when I'm usually when I'm sitting on the side of the hill, if, if I have a tarp up like that, I'm I'm trying to glass mm-hmm. in a big orange or, you know, bright white tarp. The Stone Glacier one is borderline white. The ones I tend to so, get are green or brown. Yeah, that you know, that's another reason why I haven't pulled the trigger on the Stone Glacier one just yet. Um, that and you can see on the ends here, they are not elongated out. And these are designed right. for the poles to be on either end, not in the middle. So the Sitka one, the poles go in the middle here, and then you can pull these ends down and they're longer. And the Sitka one has leather uh, guy out point attachments. So they're really robust. Okay. So I, I'm a big fan of that. It's light. It does the job. I hmm. more so carry a tarp for, and I'm sorry, I misquoted the price on that. That Stone Glacier tarp is $190. So uh, anyway. What, what's the packability of something like that? How, how small does it Mine does it is a 9 by 11, I think, mm-hmm. something like that. And I can pack it down. Uh, let's see. About the size of a monster energy drink can. Okay. Yeah. Mm. So that's something that never leaves my pack. And yeah. that's something that I can, you know, you sit down, glassing. I, I take it. Sheep hunting, clients love it. Yep. You know, being able to just stop in the middle of a downpour, you whip out that tarp, tie it off, get your trekking poles out for supports on either side, and you have a little shelter to glass from under. Okay. It is absolutely irreplaceable. That there is no way I would I, I would hunt without an ultralight tarp, either for a glassing shelter or for an emergency shelter. I, this mm. photo right here on Stone Glacier's website, I did that exact thing this fall. Yep. I'm sorry, last fall with clients sheep hunting. And for those of you listening, it's a it's that tarp that he's speaking of, and it's draped across basically a, a gap between two rocks. Yep. And they're you they're sitting underneath the tarp yep. in between these two rocks to yep. get out of the wind and the just, rain and just to get so, out of the rain you know yeah yeah yep. now to be fair i do that exact same thing with right my regular tarp and and, and it's right. not that right and, and again maybe there's issues with them tearing you know and maybe they're not quite as durable as something like oh, this yeah, but yeah. for no way a fraction of the price right you know that they've i've been using them for the last decade yeah talking there's a lot of stuff, you know, weight and noise and those kinds right. of things that'll be yeah. And so, for, if you're just yeah. looking for something that's, if if this isn't a consideration, you're not taking it sheep hunting. You're mm-hmm. just going out to moose camp. 
Yeah. You know, everything that you're going to look into as far as gear goes, you got to think, what are you doing with it? Mm-hmm. You know, you're not just thinking, okay, well, this is, this has the five-star rating and this is what mm-hmm. so-and-so said to right. get. So this is what I'm going to get. You need to look at if you're hunting, what's your yeah. application, yeah, what exactly. are you doing and, right. and how is this going to fit into my system? If you're hunting off your four-wheeler or, or, or out of your truck, like I said, yeah, a regular nylon eight by 10 tarp from Home Depot will work just fine. And, and, and you know, but, honestly, they fold down so flat. I literally, I put it up right against the, mm-hmm. the water bladder compartment in my mm-hmm. pack and I never even noticed there. I don't notice it, but again, I'm that I, I have yeah. not taken that on like a yeah. sheep hunt or something yeah. like that. I'm always moose yeah. hunting. They, hunting. They are not as durable as you know, and and I mean, you and, can get the black and the brown ones that are yeah. very durable, but you add a tremendous amount of weight yeah. and less packability. Yeah. The and ones the, I have are the darker colored ones for the reason. I, you guys say, said. I usually I usually run a brown or small like like I say eight by ten brown or black one when mm-hmm. I'm moose hunting. Yeah. Yep. 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 That's exactly what I use. Anyway, next thing. Item right. number two, Mariah, you want to hit this one? Sure. I, uh, I, you had a redundant fire system, or somebody had redundant uh, that, fire yeah, system yeah. written down. Yeah. I added systems. I added an S to the end of that because I usually carry two. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. I usually carry, uh, and I almost I've known if I've ever ever used these. So why would you carry fire starter, Mariah? Well, you know, if if I get stuck somewhere and it's cold and wet, it'd be really nice to have some way to warm up. <laughs> yep. <laughs> or if it's possible, yeah. Exactly. A fire I mean, goes a long ways. I mean, you know, as a kid, I really liked watching, um, like these survival shows. This guy telling how mm-hmm. how to survive in the wilderness. Yeah. And a lot of it now, I think about it, it was kind of like now I would I wouldn't even be interested in some of those particular films. Yeah. But um, that being said, it inspired me to like make these little survival kits. Yep. And uh, they've gotten a lot better. Yeah. Than they than my little survival kits have, but fire systems. Um, you know, just ways to light a fire, uh, fire starter mm. as well. Yep. Um, so I usually carry a small, like one of those small boxes of waterproof mm-hmm. matches. Yep. I usually have one of those um, refillable, um, it's a refillable torch lighter. Butane yep. torch. Butane yeah. torch yeah. lighter. Yeah. Because you can get a lot of heat out of that, mm-hmm. you know, and if things are really wet or damp around yeah. you, you have a hard time finding stuff to start. It also works well in the wind. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, and it, yeah, it'll yeah. burn in the wind. You don't want to be bringing a big lighter with in you. In those matches. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. In those matches, like if, if conditions are great, fine. That's what you want to use. Mm-hmm. But, because, you know, but, but if it's, it's just, windy. It gives yeah. me options. Mm-hmm. Right. And then the other thing is uh, I usually carry those little um, the little fire starter blocks in a little mm-hmm. bag. And I, I just have yeah. a handful of them. I've had them forever. Yeah. Um, never had to use them. Hopefully I never do. Do they still work? Just, <laughs> no, I should pull one out and see if they work. But it, I mean, they're in a little waterproof yeah, yeah. Yep. bag, like like a little like a cough drop almost, yeah. except that it's sealed. Yeah, yeah. And um, and just a handful of them. They're light. You just you just pull it open. You slice it up, and it, it it'll get a hot flame going mm-hmm. that you can maybe dry a few twigs out on yeah. to get a fire going yeah. under a tree or yeah. hopefully under your tarp. Yeah, yeah. Well, There's one m- thing maybe I not like, to like use. right under your tarp. Yeah, but, yeah, but you said <laughs> you know tarp what I mean. Yeah. In a way that the smoke will leave right, right, right all that kind of right. stuff. Now, one thing I like to carry with me is it, I just found it with the local sportsman's, but it's called pyro putty. Mm-hmm. And the pyro putty, it's, it's similar to those blocks you were talking about, but it's a it's a basically a cotton ball mix, mm-hmm. and it's soaked in this petroleum product that's really really dense. And you pull out, you know, maybe a dime sized piece width wise. And you could just kind of pull that and kind of just break it apart, break all those fibers up, and it'll burn for 15 minutes. Yeah, I know a guy that will carry, um, he's got one of those orange waterproof match cases, mm-hmm. and he has waterproof matches and a Ziploc bag in there, 
also in there he stuffs um he he so he he'll he'll kind of soak or cover really well cotton balls in petroleum jelly like vaseline mm-hmm. and so and stuff those in there and then stuff the matches in there and he keeps those in there and he might put those in their own bag too i'm not i don't remember for sure so it's all double you know ziploc bag and in the waterproof case yeah yeah, yeah exactly. you know and that's just he can if he has that on him he'll always be able to start at least at least a fire yeah mm-hmm. and uh you know, in this, and that's obviously that's a lot cheaper than the the than like everything I just listed. Yeah. But well, and you know, and the thing is, there's a lot of good fire starter material out there, anyways. Yeah. And you know, if you take off birch bark, is it catches amazingly. Yeah. Well, yeah, you know, you right. get the little paper paper that comes off the paper birches, mm-hmm. and that's. But we just came from southeast. You're not getting. Sure. I still brought it, but. <laughs> you find okay. the right location. Okay, yeah. You can, yeah. but things are wet. If it was a dry day and you were stuck out somewhere and you had to spend the night, you can get a fire going if it's not been like a complete downpour. Right. If it's been pouring rain, then yeah, you're not getting a fire started. Yeah. Very unlikely. I have started fires down there when it's been dry. Mm-hmm. But it is very difficult. Yeah. It right. it takes some effort. Chances now, are if you're stuck across somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> It's because yeah. of a storm, you know? Yeah, exactly. Like, I mean, exactly. unless you just fell down and broke your leg or something. Right. But, yeah. So I, but, I, I personally carry, like what Mariah was saying, I've got like these little, it's, it's just a emergency fire kit. It comes in like a little plastic case. Mm-hmm. And I have two different systems. I carry those like little, they look like little um, um, Q-tip ends. Mm-hmm. And they're soaked in something, and they're they're hard. It's it's like a little mini block. No, it's it's about the size of an earplug, like a little foam yeah. earplug. In. Okay. And I think there's ten of those in one little case. They don't weigh anything. Mm-hmm. And then I, you know, I always have a couple different waterproof torch lighters, like you were talking about. I, I don't know if they're butane or not. I I said that earlier, but some I, of them are I butane. Some they of them are. are. Okay. A lot of yeah. them are. Yeah. But a couple different sealed waterproof torch lighters. And then um, I have some pyro putty yep. that works great too. Uh, but also, you know, just understanding how to build a good fire goes a long yeah, ways. It does. And, you know, if, if you don't need to use your emergency fire starter, right. then, you know, that's great. Yeah, I don't have well, it and- on me. And I don't know where it went, but I just think about that. Uh, another good option that might even be better than the butane, I'm not sure. For sure, I haven't like kept it for a long yeah. time to see how long it lasts. But I, it, we sell it in the store where, near where I work, and uh, it's a it's a cigarette lighter that looks like a USB stick, and you push the little handle oh. over and then slide it down like the USB stick on one end, and it sticks out with the USB. Mm-hmm. You charge it that way, and you flip it the mm-hmm. other way, and it pokes out a little lighter that heats up. It's a little coil in there that heats up hot enough to light a cigarette. If it's hot enough to light a huh. cigarette, it'll start your fire starter. Mm. Maybe a good option. I don't know how long a charge and something like that would last. Yeah. Well. Yeah. But something else. I, I don't know list. how that yeah. would react in that, moisture, that would, though. Well, and that right. would well, be more of an where, ember. I mean, right. you would have to. If you that, put enough air on it, it would work. Yeah. Right. Well, and that's where if you have a good fire starter. Right. Yeah. Right. I saw those when I was getting a drink and, earlier. And we also have in our in our list a battery pack, which would go with that. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Now another good option because I carry multiple. Sources of starting the fire as well, not just maintaining right. the fire. You right. know, the, the pyro putty and everything like that is a good option for getting the fire started. Once I have, you a, have a little flint rod too that I carry. Yeah, so I I keep the the waterproof matches, the jet or the torch heater or torch ladder, and then in addition to that, I like to keep a ferro rod on me. Mm-hmm. Now, yep. for those of you that aren't familiar, a ferro rod is basically a flint yep. steel, but the yep. rod is spring loaded into 
yeah. into the device. So it's one hand operation. You know, if you end up rolling your wheeler or something like that and busting a wing, you can still use this thing. And okay. I mean, same with it, but let's just, I like to have at least two or three different methods, mm-hmm. right? Just at yeah. any given right. time. Yeah. And so you can, you literally just push that rod against the ground. And then it, like I said, it's spring loaded and you can just, as you push the, the body of it over that rod creates a nice, it spark. creates a nice, yeah. really hot spark. And so you, if you have the pyro putty or even if you have just tinder from around the area, mm-hmm. you know, you yeah. end up with some very dry material to start your fire with out there. Mm-hmm. This, it'll get your fire started within, yeah. you know, three, three pushes basically. Yeah. It's, yeah. they're very efficient. Yeah. And as long as you know what you're doing. I have one similar to that. That's all enclosed in like a little waterproof case. That's about the size of a, Oh, I don't even know. It, it, it's it's probably an inch around, and inside of it is fire starter material, and mm-hmm. then there's that ferro rod mm-hmm. in there. Yep, and that that works awesome too. And, and you know what? Don't buy something and pick it out, and then just throw it in your bag and never use it until right. you're needing it. Yep, go try it out in your backyard. You know, obviously be safe. It's fire, but um, be be prepared and be well versed on how well it works. Try it out at home in, yep. in, in a controlled, dry environment, mm-hmm. and then go figure it out when it's wet out too. You know, go yeah. go try to start a fire when it's wet. Get yeah. good at it. Practice. Well, and it's just like anything else in this world. You're not going to go buy a gun from the store, yeah. a box of ammo, and go hunt. You're going to yeah. practice with it. You're going right. to take it to the range. You're not going to go be a master archer overnight. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. Yeah. It takes time. You got to learn exactly the right positions to, mm-hmm. to be in, and the same thing comes with any kind of survival skill. You cannot yeah. expect to just be able to wing it in the moment. Yeah. When you're out there, especially if you're hurt, because if you're stuck, chances are you're not in a good situation. Mm-hmm. You're not in a good mindset. You're not in a good area. You know, you've either got broken bones, broken machinery. You've got, you know, maybe you're you're sick or something like that. You're not going to be in your tip top shape, mm-hmm. typically speaking. You know, and even if you are, you're probably going to be in some form of a Mm -hmm. (laughs) mentality. And so to know and have those skills to fall back on is is paramount as far as all this goes. It's like the saying, you know, you you train how to fight and you fight how you train. You know, if you don't practice it ahead of time, you're not going to know what to do in the moment. And so, but so anyway, that one we have uh, real quick. Just, I don't know if anybody's heard of this. Sure. Mm-hmm. All right, I'm bring this up real quick. Have you guys seen one of these before? I've got something up on the screen here. Fire kit. You heard of a fire piston? No. No. I've, uh, I know somebody who has one, and we were talking about this, and it just came to mind, so I thought I'd bring it up real quick. Um, they, they work, I think, on a similar principle to a diesel engine in the fact that it's uh, pressure and heat that is created by the pressure actually will light an ember on fire. You can put a little piece of tender in it and it's like a tube with a smaller tube and a, and a, and a, a ring on it. And you put a piece of tender on the end of it and you just pump it real fast uh, two, three times and, boom, really? and you've got a, a burning ember. That's, yeah. that's interesting. Yeah. Well, we're uh, going to have been, to do some research on we're that. We're going to have to do some wanna, research on that. I want to order one of those. Yeah, I, I need yeah. to. I, I totally forgot about that until we were talking about this stuff. But hmm. well, Interesting. And and while Never on the heard topic of, of uh of kind of I guess camp related items for if you get stuck <laughs> right. out there. Mm-hmm. You know, we've got our tarp, you got your tent, you got your fire going now. How how are you gonna tie your tarp we, off? How are we gonna tie the tarp off? So, yeah. How about some paracord? Yeah. I always that? have a hundred feet of paracord with me. That's probably a little bit much. Uh on some hunts I bring even more. Mm-hmm. Um 
I'll give a great example of this. <laughs> so this last fall, I was out at a, at a spot, undis- undisclosed location, up camped well above tree line, and I was by myself at this particular moment in time. No, I think there might have been somebody else in camp, but you know we weren't in the same tent. So I, anyway, nightfall came, and uh, my bowels were churning. Oh, yes. <laughs> and I thought to myself, oh, great. You know, and of course, I didn't you know, realize this until I was in my sleeping clothes and in my bag, warm and comfortable and trying to go to sleep. And I got the urge. You know, the call of nature. <laughs> so, so I uh, put, my, put my warm stuff on. It was chilly outside, and it was very windy. It was probably, I don't know, 30, 40 mile an hour wind. Consistent, just constant. Man. And it, on a bald ridge top, mm-hmm. and there was no latrine area close to my tent. So... You know, you you want to bury your, you want to put something over your paper and kind of cover it up so that it doesn't blow around in the wind and turn the turn the hillside into a littering zone. And so, uh, I got up and went and walked. You know, I, I it it was a good ways from from my tent. It it was I don't know forty, fifty, sixty yards or so. Okay, if not more. And uh, I went over and answered the call and. Came back to my tent and I sat down back in my tent, still with all my gear on, and the urge came again. Oh, and that's when I realized that I was dealing with a problem. Mm-hmm. And if you've been in the situation, you know my pain and you know <laughs> oh. where this is going. So, again, happened again. And I, so I, I had eaten something or, you know, had bad water. I don't think it was bad water, but anyway, something didn't agree and I was in trouble. Well, it started snowing. And about my second or third trip out there to my uh, area, it started snowing sideways, of course, 30, 40 mile an hour mm-hmm. wind. And it was covering up my footprints in the snow back to my tent. And I couldn't even hardly see my tent. Oh. So I, about the last time that I walked back to where I thought my tent was and I was 40 yards away still, I realized... I need to have a good way to get back to my tent every time. Yeah. So yeah. this is not a normal use for paracord, <laughs> but I whipped out my paracord. And on this particular trip, I, I wasn't on a weight restriction type of deal. I wasn't carrying camp around mm-hmm. very much. So I had brought extra paracord. And so I strung however many lengths of paracord I had together and then tied them off to my tent, yep. to one of my tent stakes. And I just, you know, next time the bell rang, yeah, I walked outside and just took the end of the paracord and just started walking until yeah. I got to my spot. And then I would just reel it back in as I was going back to my tent. And that way I always had, you know, I, you're not going to get lost if you just, you know, follow the line. Yeah. And it, it, that, that's, that's an old trick, you know, and that there's, there's old stories about uh, dust storms and snowstorms yeah. out West. I was just going to say in the Midwest where I'm from, they man, would that's a really tie a rope. Thing. They would tie a rope from the barn to the house and then from the house to the outhouse. And, yeah. Yeah. you know, so that they could still go out and get to their other buildings in these storms. And it's the same thing that I did with my tent. Yeah. Um, so that's, 
That's a that's less a, common use of paracord, but it <laughs> right. sure did come in handy. Yeah, for Other sure. Other uses are, you know, hanging game bags. If if your game bags yep. don't have mm-hmm. enough paracord or if they're not strong enough. You know, and that's, that's yeah. A lot of the, the cords that these things come with, they're yeah. not very strong as far as the, the tie cords go. There are a couple yeah. brands that make really good ones, but yeah. typically I do try to use the paracord for yeah. that too. Yeah. Um, but yeah, paracord is very important for being able to add guy out points to your tent, yep. add out uh, guy lines. Yep. Uh, I, I did that too. You know, I, I had a couple of nights while I was sheep hunting this last year that we got some pretty stout wind a couple of nights. I mean, 60, 70 mile an hour plus winds. And it was threatening the structural integrity of my tent multiple yeah. times. And so I, I added... You know, spots where there were little loops on the tent fabric on on the rain fly on the outside. I just added guy lines and, you know, I had extra stakes, which is something that you should have if you have a tent with stakes out with you in your backpack and bring a couple extra stakes. They don't weigh that much. And I I was able to add guy lines with my paracord. So that's another great use of it too. So some other uses too that people don't really think about a lot is that with paracord specifically, you can take the inyards out of it Mm -hmm. and use that little little tiny the string little tiny for, for more line. small projects I mean, and things even those little strings are pretty strong oh yeah. yeah yeah yep and so you know a lot of people i've seen people use those for for making you know all kinds of helpful things mm-hmm. you know if you're really stuck out there somewhere and you buy a stream or something like that i've seen people that stuff oh I mean, yeah. you, you can literally use it for anything you would need a small string for but if you yeah. do keep it all together i mean it's extremely strong stuff yeah. but don't buy the cheap stuff that when no. you that when you cut it it's all like this little white filler material in there it's just kind of frizzy oh, right. yeah no, buy actual quality paracord. multi-cord paracord that has five a 50 cord yeah yeah multiple right. strands inside of it and that's that's what you want so um, actual parachute cord All right, folks, I want to take a second to tell you about a product I found this last year and have absolutely fallen in love with. It's the Stealthy Hunter rifle cover. I used one on a recent blacktail deer hunt in southeast Alaska, and it did a great job of keeping the salt water and debris out of the action and also protecting the scope on my rifle from getting knocked around and damaged. On top of all that, the carry handle made it easy to transport the rifle to and from the boat during the hunt. When it got wet from rain and ocean spray, I hung it up at camp to dry at night, and it was always dry in 20 minutes or less. Stealthy Hunter also offers a wide variety of nutritional supplements for the outdoorsman, such as CBD oils, essential vitamins, turmeric, and bone broth. In the gear shop, they also have a lightweight first aid kit, glassing pads, and stuff sacks to organize your gear and your pack. Go check out Stealthy Hunter's website and use the code THENORTHERNHUNTER at checkout to get a discount on your order today. All Stealthy Hunter equipment is proudly made in the USA. Hey guys, if you've listened to the show for any amount of time, you've likely heard Dalton and I go back and forth about bullet construction, and how I like rapid expanding bonded core bullets that leave massive wound channels. I've also stated I would never use a monolithic bullet. Well, I'm here to tell you about the company that finally changed my mind. Hammer Bullets produces what I would consider the most premium and best working monolithic bullets on the market today. These bullets are designed so that after penetrating the hide of an animal, the front half of the bullet explodes, shedding its petals and imparting massive damage to the vital areas while retaining the rear shank for maximum penetration. The 
effectively closing the gap between lead core and monolithic construction. The guys at Hammer designed these bullets with 100% focus on how they perform once they reach their destination. But don't let that fool you, these bullets have amazing VCs and have specialized pressure groups built in for amazing inherent accuracy. They have a minimum velocity rating of 1800 feet per second, which allows for long range shots but have no maximum velocity, making them perfect for every cartridge from your granddaddy's old 3030 to the high velocity rounds like the Weatherby 3378 without having to worry about your bullet failing. They've also recently partnered with Weatherby to provide factory ammunition for a multitude of cartridges. To view their expansive selection and find the perfect match for your hunting needs, go to hammerbullets.com to buy yours today and drop the hammer on your next adventure. Everybody knows that one of the most important pieces of a hunter's kit is their knife. Whether you're looking for a fleshing blade, a skinning blade, or just a quality, multi-purpose knife for the backcountry, Yukon River Knives has what you need. They offer blades such as the Hunter, Small Game, and the Sendero Bush Knife. Yukon River Knives is based in Texas and has a unique mission goal in that a percentage of all knife sales go to support a missionary in Alaska. Now Dalton, you've experienced with these knives in the field. Talk to us about that. As a matter of fact, I have used a few of their knives and watched my good friend Remy use them for years with great results. They have a micarta handle that doesn't get slippery when it gets wet, and they have phenomenal edge retention for long skinning jobs. Go check out our web link on thenorthernhunter.com and that'll take you directly to Yukon River Knives website to see their full selection and order your knives for your next hunt with the discount code THENORTHERNHUNTER at checkout. And remember, nothing replaces a quality hunting knife. Now, you also told us, you told us that story the other day, mm -hmm. right? Um, you also told us something else you carry yes. with you because of So <laughs> this is a good segue into our uh, first aid kits. One of the things that's always in my first aid kit mm -hmm. is, uh, we'll call them bowel pills. There you go. There you go. <laughs> if you or, encounter a problem where you are in a bad way and mm -hmm. you need to stop that problem from continuing, yep. such as the situation I was in, I'll tell you, I was up from, from dark until about 2.30 in the morning. Oh, yeah. Multiple times. And I was frustrated and it's exhausting and you can get dehydrated and yeah. oh. then your energy is just drained and I'm trying to guide a hunt. I had clients coming in the next day. Mm -hmm. And uh, anyway, and, so... And people don't realize dehydration is the biggest risk with that stuff. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. really... You, you'll yeah. get yourself into you're trouble already in a, You're already in a situation and an environment where you're probably not drinking enough water anyway. Yeah. Most people don't. And you, you have a limited water supply and you think, well, I want to kind of conserve my water because mm -hmm. we have to go haul it from the creek, you know, which is down the hill a ways. So you're already thinking that way subconsciously, even if you don't realize it, you're trying to conserve water. So, so you end up dehydrated pretty quick. So the way that I solved it, I had <laughs> in the first aid kit that I had at this time. It comes with a bunch of little pills and, mm -hmm. you know, you have like a couple of aspirins and then ibuprofen and Tylenol uh -huh. and, and then you have like a, like a Giardia pill mm -hmm. and then you have just a, um, some kind of a stopper um, yeah. for your bowels. Anti-laxative. Yeah. It, yeah. So anyway, I, 
I had one of those little packets left. <laughs> I had used a couple over the years and I hadn't replenished my supply. And that's on me for not keeping an eye on my first aid kit and what was in it. But <laughs> I took my last pill uh, that night at about one o'clock in the morning. Ooh, I was so buddy. exhausted. Yeah. And I, and I waited. I thought, man, if I can just make this, <laughs> if, I, if I can just get through it and I don't have to take my last pill, because what if it gets worse tomorrow? Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I don't know if this is going to work. And yep. so I, I took it. And thankfully, about an hour later, it all came to an end. And yeah, you know, now, you know, it, it, it does have some adverse effects about two or three days later, mm-hmm. but you can usually get through your, your problem and make it, <laughs> make it out of the field by that time, hopefully. Now, I'm going to skip past one of the numbers we have here because to get, it's a perfect move into this one yes. is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Always keeping yes. TP on you. Yes. And. What kind of TP do you High carry quality on? stuff. <laughs> yes. I don't, I don't skimp on uh, yep. I, 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 Charmin Ultrasound. <laughs> I'm not a... Uh, and I'm trying not to be too much on this, but I'm not a single-ply guy. Nope. Me <laughs> no, either. No. Yeah. No. Absolutely I don't not. Wanna, I don't you don't want to be end up scraping what's left out of the cardboard. <laughs> I, just, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't need to get in touch with my inner self. That's all I'm saying. No. I, I don't know. But <laughs> nobody needs that. And 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 but, again, from a from a cleanliness standpoint, and yeah. this is I mean, I'm sorry, yeah. folks, if you don't like it, turn it off. This is real. We're gonna keep talking. <laughs> this is the real life right you here. You know, I you're trying to stay clean out there. Okay. You, right. you have a limited number of dude wipes. It's not your, like you can just w- jump in the shower afterwards. Yeah. And and let's just assume that you're in a environment with, with a low water supply. Mm-hmm. You you can't just go back to your tent and wipe off your hands if something goes <laughs> awry with your teepee. Right. Because you skimped on, yep. on what you bought. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I... I, I you the know, last for that, little bit off the roll at home, because that's all you remember to throw in your pack five years ago. Right. And you just saw it there, so you felt comforted. Doesn't cut it. Take my word yeah. for it. Yeah. I, at at and, the beginning of every hunt, I make sure I have a full roll in a, oh yeah. in a yep. high quality Ziploc bag. Yes. yes. In my high pack. quality. A thick Ziploc bag because uh, another one of the worst feelings you can get when you're in a situation like that is you open up your bag <laughs> and your and toilet it, paper is yep. saturated. I've had that happen that before. That is a disappointing you know, I, I, you know, I came back that? with one less sleeve that trip. So. <laughs> you, know, you know what's worse than wet TP? Or almost as bad? What's that? TP that was wet and is now all frosty. Oh, it dried <laughs> out. Oh, it's yeah. like dried and then it's cold, <laughs> so it's got like frost oh, on yeah. it. Nice. And you're like peeling strips <laughs> off, but they're kind of like cold. Well, and, and the other thing too is like... And, and, but, but cold and wet, yeah. And yeah. again, not to be too graphic, but I mean, if you have problems <laughs> out there and, and like, like in your situation, right? You right. were going five, six times a night, you know, for a couple nights oh, in a row. It was, it was more issue. than that. You can... But, yeah. I'm trying to figure out how to say this correctly. Rub yourself raw. <laughs> this is the way to chafing, say it. Yeah. Chafing. Chafing. Yeah. yeah. And, and when you're out there and you're relying on hiking, mm-hmm. you know, is it going to be detrimental? No. Is it going to suck? Yes. Uh, it you can know, be pretty detrimental. Yeah. You can end up yeah. with some bad stuff there. Yeah. And, and so. And on that note, we're going to segue into dude wipes. Yes. I, <laughs> I, I love wanna, dude wipes. I was going to mention one more thing. Non-scented dude wipes. Yep. Is a godsend to the One hunter. more thing on the TP. Go for it. Related to the other things there okay uh psyllium husk i don't know you guys probably haven't used it yet 
uh, words. I think I've mentioned it to you, but it's it's like yeah, P-S-Y-L-L-U-I-M or something like that. Okay. Um, you can buy it. It usually comes in a powder form. Okay. If you can get pills, it'd probably be a lot oh, easier to take. Oh, is this the stuff had when we were down there? No, I didn't. Okay. This is stuff I took later when we got back. Okay. Um, <laughs> it works. It's supposed to help both both problems. Mm-hmm. If, you, if, if you can't get it out, it'll help it slide out. If it comes out too fast, it'll slow it down. <laughs> and uh, oh and and it because of what it does to it, it's a minimum TP usage. Wait, is this a, is this an ingestible thing? Yeah, it's oh, just okay. uh, it's, it's <laughs> yeah. a type of fiber. Yeah. Oh, weird. Okay. Yeah. yeah, it just helps you properly regulate your movements. Correct. Right. Yeah. Might it's not something that, so, I don't so, take so it all the time, so, but so if, if I'm having yeah. an issue one way or the other, yeah. right? I'll, I'll put some in my cup and take a drink. Good stuff. Is it powder form it? or what? I've only had it and seen it in powder form. There, it may be a available in pill form which would be a lot easier okay probably to pack yeah. and just to handle but yeah. all okay good to know but yeah anyway but those dude wipes are a godsend yeah they really so are w- when you're out on extended trips and things like that you know i now i count out how many i need mm-hmm. for however long i'm going to be out there and i just put them in a ziploc bag okay and, you, don't, so you don't bring the whole case Two out a day yeah. what, do you, what do you do i i usually try to pick one a day okay yeah that's that's usually what i go with and it, it's it's not it's not for uh, replacing TP, it right, is. Yeah. It is for cleaning the uh, the important sweaty areas on your body. Yes. Um, yeah. We don't need to go into any detail there, but it helps prevent any problems from well, even armpits. I mean, yeah. You know, if you have, if you yep. if you are out there for a long time, your armpits can even start to get. It's a mountain man shower, is yeah. what we call it, and that you know that's that goes a long ways towards uh you know and and you know it keeps you from stinking. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's that hey, it happens. Yeah. Talk about uh, you're out there for ten days, fourteen chafing. days. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. yeah, oh no kidding. Now I do yeah. like to to budget for having one last, mm-hmm. you know, pass by as as you will. Yeah, yeah, yeah. After. After TP. After TP. Yeah. yeah. And, well, and that makes it real nice being and, out there in the woods. You know, so. for, for, for some folks, if, <laughs> if, if you want to pack that many, you know, dude wipes and you just bring the whole pack, you know, 50 in a pack yeah. mm-hmm. if, if you want to. And I know guys that do that. That's hey, great. You don't do that in the wintertime. Yeah, yeah they're going to freeze yeah. solid. Don't do that in the wintertime. Okay. Okay. But we should we should probably <laughs> move should probably on now. move on from this so, side so of our if, podcast. So, yeah. So one thing that, that I like to keep in my kit, and it's been a huge thing. I've talked about it in prior, kit, in prior episodes before, too. And this would kind of help if you were having these kinds of issues would be a first aid kit. Yes. And in my case, I like to emphasize the drama correct of right. this because correct. a lot of people don't have the right and mm-hmm. what I mean by that is they go to Sportsman's or Cabela's or anything like that and they go and they'll buy and what annoys me is they'll, the kits they buy say trauma kit on them. Mm-hmm. And what those kits have in them is a three inch by three inch alcohol wipe, you know, and they might have five or six of those. They'll have 30 different kinds of little itty bitty band-aids ranging yeah. from three inches long to uh, one mole, or two moleskin yeah. to, you yeah. know, a couple of these different things. They'll have the little... um. The, the the sticky suture kit basically yeah. so yeah. that you can mm-hmm. close up a, a, yeah. a small cut there butterfly bandages butterfly bandages like that's stuff. it yeah. and all of those things are good to have on you because mm-hmm. you don't want a mild inconvenience to become a major inconvenience yes. a couple of days later yes. when you're on a 10-day hunt right you know you cut your finger on day one yep. and then that gets infected yep. day five you're having to roll out you yep. know because your fingers they, three right. times they the usually, size they used to be right they usually have antibiotic ointment they do burn yeah. cream and then an assortment of pills like i was talking yeah. about uh they have anti-insect bite two anti-ven- rolls or 
Yeah, two rolls of gauze, little yeah. rolls, and then um, a roll of medical tape. But the thing is, in all of these kits, yeah. I have yet to find one in the stores, mm-hmm. in the box stores, I should say, that have what you will need in a life-threatening environment. And I'm going to kind of jump ahead again to another segment after this one, but because I'm kind of leaning into this with this area. Mm-hmm. When you are out there, and Alaska is the last frontier. Yep. You know, nobody's saving you yeah. instantly. You're out there. Yeah. You have to be on your own. You have mm-hmm. to be able to take care of yourself. And you might have a, a system to get people to mm-hmm. you in an emergency. And we'll yep. go over that in a little bit. But in between the time that you call and they show up, yeah. it's on you, man. Yep. You know, yep. if you yep. roll your wheeler and you've got a busted head or a busted wing or you've got a bone sticking out of your leg or you fall down and you know bust your tailbone on a on a rock when you're in the Mm -hmm. the slick rocks up in the mountains if you get sick if you Mm -hmm. anything happens Mm -hmm. it's on you to take care of yourself you need to be set up with a tourniquet yeah you have to be able to stop major bleeding you have you know you should have what they call an israeli bandage Mm -hmm. you know and that's a very large six inch wide bandage that has um (laughs) what are they what do they call it? It's it's flexible fabric that comes all the way around. You can wrap it around your arm I okay. mean, ten right. times, and then you you run it through a, a plastic loop through, come back, and and it velcros to itself. Basically, okay. you can gotcha. make a sling. You arm can make an arm sling. You can yeah. make a head bandage. Um, you should have what's called a Sam splint, mm-hmm. and Sam yep. splints are amazingly universal kits. Mm-hmm. You can if you end up spraining your wrist or breaking your wrist, you can. It, what it is is it, it's a foam splint that has an aluminum in, insert on yep. the inside of it and so yep. it's very soft and, and when it's in a flat state it's very flexible you can move it around and fold it in whichever way you want but as soon as you concave it a little bit you give it a little bit of a of a arch right it gets really stable mm-hmm. and you can use it to for a leg for an arm for anything you need you know you combine that with a couple of these different big ticket items you know you should have some some stop bleed in there mm-hmm uh, what, what's the, the quick, clot. Clot, quick clot? That's the, the yeah. big name in the industry there. Yep. Have quick clot gauze on you. And, you know, that's not typically to be applied on the outside. You know, you've usually got to kind of stick it in the wound a little bit, but mm-hmm. you know, it will do the job and it'll stop bleeding when nothing else will. Yeah. That's a very serious thing that I don't think people take. Right. Take seriously, you know, because so, yeah, no, I, just, just to kind of piggyback off yeah. of that. Um, one more bandage that I, uh, make sure that I have as a as a three sided bandage. Okay. For what's called a sucking chest wound. Mm-hmm. If you, God forbid, have a gunshot wound or a stab wound in your yep. chest, yep. in your upper body, you are going to die if you don't treat yeah. that properly. That yep. will kill you. Uh, and in some cases, it'll kill you before the helicopter can even get there if mm-hmm. you have good enough weather to get picked up. And that's yeah. the other thing. Just because you have an inreach and you can call right. yes. you know, for a helicopter pickup does not mean that they're going to get there in time for you. No. And that they can even get there at all, yeah. barring weather conditions. So having a three-sided bandage and knowing how to use it, mm-hmm. how to apply it, can save somebody's life. And, and there's a, some of these kits do have, um, th- there's ch- they're called chest vents. Yeah. And, and they're designed to go over the wound like that mm-hmm. as well. They're one-way vents. Yep. And so you can still let things get out without letting things get in or yep. vice versa. Yep. And knowing how to knowing, use, yeah. knowing how to use those bandages. And if you're hunting with a partner, 
discussing that ahead of time. Mm -hmm. And here's what's in my first aid kit. What's in your first aid kit. Here's how you use this. And, you know, familiarize yourself with it. Mm -hmm. Read books on wilderness trauma and wilderness first aid. There's a lot of good resources out there. And uh, another thing that I think is really important is antibiotics. Yeah. If you get a bad cut or a blister or um, some kind of an injury that gets infected and it starts to swell and you you, you can get a nasty reaction and actually get blood poisoning from that if you don't treat it. And if it goes untreated long enough, it can kill you. That mm-hmm. infection right. can it get can. to your heart and it'll kill you. Absolutely. And a lot of folks don't treat that kind of stuff seriously. If you cut yourself while you're cleaning an animal and you're days away from getting out of there, yep. even if you don't think it's a very bad cut, but then it starts to swell, then you get weird colors in your arm you know, as it works its way, and, as it yeah. works its way up through your bloodstream. You need to take antibiotics yesterday fast. Yep. And I, I carry a strong dosage of antibiotics and people, well, some people really don't like taking antibiotics because what it does to your gut health. You can come back from that. Though. You can recover from yeah. that, but you can't recover from blood poisoning no. if it gets to your heart. It, it'll kill you. And, and you so, know, and again, and yeah. it, it, even if it doesn't kill you, you could end up in a lost limb or, oh, yeah. or appendage. Yeah. Yeah. You could have a finger cut off. You could have your hand yeah. cut off. You could have your arm cut off. They might have to amputate it because it, it's it's now a risk to the rest of your body. Correct. Yeah. So having antibiotics to take if that if if you start seeing signs of that and yep. knowing what those signs are of infection, yep. you need to be aware of that. I know someone that that had blood poisoning from uh, you know from working on critters, mm-hmm. and he, according to the doctor, from what I heard, he about lost his arm. Yeah. Very very dangerous situation. Yeah. And he was in town when it happened, and he just kind of ignored it for a couple of days, and then he realized, oh boy, my arms turning, you know, weird colors, and my yeah. veins yeah. look real dark, and they're sticking out. That's blood poisoning. Yeah, yep. and yep. know the signs of that and deal with it immediately. That's dangerous. Yeah, and, and, and knowing how to use a tourniquet. Yes. Also important, if you if you get a major cut on a limb mm-hmm. and you can use a tourniquet, man, know how to use a tourniquet. Now, and for those of you listening, if you go to anywhere, if you go online and look at anywhere in your area, which wherever you live, whether it's in the Fairbanks area or anywhere else in the country, yeah, typically speaking, there are going to be classes you can sign up for and yeah. attend that will teach yeah. you this stuff. There's anything from even a regular first aid kit yep. or class to a, uh, they actually sometimes do have wilderness first aid classes that will teach you how to use these things and be prepared in this instance for those of you that heard him say you know about the gunshot wounds and may have scoffed at that man if you find it in the 40 mile country that's a real thing (laughs) you know (laughs) like there was one time and this is probably crap seven years ago now but i was up there and was fortunate enough to be in the in the 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 body a big body of caribou right Mm -hmm. they were all over the road and and we were out there up off the steeps and when we rolled up, it was early morning and it was just me and my buddies and their trucks and everything. Within minutes, there were 30 trucks lined up behind us. Mm. And you got guys lined right. all over the hillside and they're just you know, all they're shooting past all each other. Shooting too. Past each other. Yeah. You got guys that are running, guys that are shooting from the top of the hill down, yep. guys shooting from the bottom of the hill up. On that what a hunt, circus. On that hunt, I literally had two bullets whiz past my head so fast I heard them. Mm. I didn't hear the shot, I heard the <laughs> and. <laughs> So yeah. the, no thanks, and, and you know, and even barring that, which that 
hunt needs a lot of attention, but that's a topic for another time. Mm-hmm. When <laughs> barring that, you know, <laughs> you look the same at any, thing happen on that hunt. Yeah. Yep. You look up any, you know, hunting stories from all over the country mm-hmm. and you're going to see that people get shot, yeah. you know, now the state of Alaska does not require hunters to wear orange right. at, at this point. And I'm right. I, I like that, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and a lot of places do and they have you have to wear the orange hat and the orange vest when i was hunting deer in ohio that was the the case down there yep and that's why is because there have been a lot of cases where typically new people but sometimes just excited people mm-hmm. yep. will see movement and they just pull the trigger yeah obviously you shouldn't do because right. <laughs> know your target and, and right you know where you're going to be hitting it obviously but that is a real thing that can happen and mm-hmm. so does it happen often no yeah. But should you be prepared for it? Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. and, and I would highly recommend not only getting one of these kits, but going to one of these classes and being prepared yeah. for that instant. Yeah. When I kind was in high school, for you. No, I, I was going to say, when I was in high school, I got my EMT one license. Yeah. And that, just that base knowledge and that education has stuck with me. Yep. And it's, that is very good information to hang yep. on to. And just stay up on it. You don't have to be a full-on medic-educated person to go, yeah. you know, use a basic first aid kit on a wound out in the field. Mm-hmm. And like I said, God forbid that you ever have a life-threatening injury. Yeah. But man, it, <laughs> if it's preventable, if yeah. if a death is preventable, then why right. wouldn't you be educated enough yeah. to help your friend or your family member, exactly, or your even yourself if you're alone? Yep. And like you said, knowing how to operate some of these uh, bandages and tourniquets one-handed. Yeah. What if you cut your, I mean, what if you cut your wrist on your right hand? Yeah. Can you operate a tourniquet with your left hand, with Correct. your dominant yeah. hand? Where does that tourniquet go? Yeah. And, and, and again, yeah. people don't realize how easy it is with the sh- sharp yeah. rocks and things like that to, yeah. you know, cut a wrist or anything like right. that. Right, right. Yeah, exactly. So, so yeah, be prepared. Yes. Have the tools, have the knowledge, and I'm gonna I'm gonna segue into another section of our list real quick for for all you people. But I haven't, or I can't tell you how concerned it makes me. I've had conversations with people about these trauma kits and about the importance mm-hmm. of them, and I've literally gotten responses that say, "Man, I used to carry all that stuff, but I got my inReach now, so yeah, nah, I don't really worry yeah. about it that much." Yeah, we're gonna talk about inReaches right now, but. It can still take mm-hmm. hours yeah. for them to get to. Hours or you know? it can be and, days. And it can be days. Like like Dalton said, with weather, cheap if, if yeah. you have bad weather and they can't get a yeah. chopper to you, I mean, they'll try to get to you however they can, but yeah. you know, they don't always have the but option. But they're not going to risk the lives of everybody in that helicopter yes. right. if the weather is bad yep. and, and it's dangerous and for if them the only to go. Way, and if the only way they can get to you is by ground transport, mm-hmm. it's going to be a while. Yeah. You know, yeah. so. But that being said, in reach is definitely one thing that I always... Yes. always keep on me and i yes. know that you have yeah. a lot of experience using those in mm-hmm. your field of work so yeah yeah and in reach is something that i i don't even drive anywhere out of cell service on the road system without it yeah you know, it's 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 a lifeline and people you know it, it's one thing that uh you know we joked in guide camp a lot this last fall about in reaches and how much all of the guides stay in touch with the boss man back at the lodge oh, yeah. through yeah. the inReach, and we all check in on a regular basis. And, uh, you know, it, it, it became kind of a joke that, man, this was even 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. You'd just drop off your guide and your hunter and 
they'd have their pickup day and maybe you'd fly over them and see if they had an orange tarp out or something that meant right. they killed something or needed to get picked up. And, uh, you know, other than that, you're not going to hear from them until the hunt's over. Yep. Now we have the luxury of having inreaches and now we, now we get concerned if we don't hear from somebody yep. in a day or two. Yeah. You know, I, I keep in close touch with my wife while I'm out guiding and I, I'm out oftentimes a month or more at a time, uh, back to back hunts and I'm not in cell service and it, it's a great way to stay in touch with, with folks at home. If you're a guide and you're out for extended periods of time away from home. Uh, that's important, but it's also a very important safety uh, uh, tool where if you do have an injury, you can call for, um, if you're on the coast, then a Coast Guard helicopter or an Air Guard helicopter if you're in the interior and uh, you know help you get out of that situation or help mm-hmm. help extract someone who has been seriously injured. Um, you know, that that's that's a great great tool it, it, it's it's a great lifeline to be able to just push that sos button right and know yeah. that help is on the way yep and but like i said you can't rely on it entirely correct in, yeah. in place of those trauma kit items because yep. like i said if you cut an artery with your knife or if you get shot and and you're going to bleed out if you don't have a way to stop the bleeding mm-hmm. at least slow it down enough to the time that you can get picked up, yep. if you can get picked up, then you're going to die. Yeah. Right. There's no way around it. Yeah. And w- what a sad way to go. Your last thoughts on the side of a mountain somewhere by yourself or, I mean, even worse, if you have a friend with you and you don't have anything to help. You, you, yeah. you, don't, you don't have anything in your kit. You weren't prepared <clears throat> and you're going to die and your friend is going to watch you die because you weren't prepared. Right. And well, I, I didn't want to carry the extra pound. Well, I'm, well that's well, that's an area where you, know, you can put a couple of pounds in there if you need to, you know, and you and, don't have to go crazy. But, you know, a, a basic trauma kit isn't going to weigh more than a pound or two. Yeah, well, let's, you, uh, you don't. I'm going to bring something up right at this point. Oh, I was going to okay. do the exact same thing. Right <laughs> okay. Well, <laughs> <laughs> speaking of trauma kits, <laughs> um, Stealthy Hunter. And we've talked about this before, but they have the backcountry medical bag. Mm-hmm. It's not, it's 14 ounces. There you go. Not under, very cumbersome. under a pound. Yeah. You know, there's a few th- items that uh, I think you, you brought up, James, or even you, Dalton, that may not be in there, but it comes in their uh, four way stretch material bag. Yeah. Uh, so it's very um, packable. You know, it's very packable. And so there's a couple things in there. And you think, oh, I don't need those for whatever reason. This is put together by a guy who's done tons of backcountry. Um, uh, Expedition. medical like emergency situations mm-hmm. not yeah. just emergency room but like emergency in the field yeah. helping out people yeah um as much as yeah and so he, he put this together like basically what how to keep it super light mm. but have what you would need in that situation mm-hmm. and so let's let's run through this real quick so they do have a tourniquet in there they have a yep. cpr shield they have yep. gloves they have your your standard run-of-the-mill first aid kit your alcohol wipes your um uh, you know little pill kit there looks like they do have a Sam splint in there. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's that's good. a huge one. That's good. Tweezers, needle. They do have the, looks like the triangular bandage. They yep. do have that you were talking about. Um, 10 cc let's see, syringe. Yeah. Uh, to 18 An- Antibiotic oils, things like that. It, yep. it's, you know, there might be a few things I'd want to add, but I mean, mm-hmm. ultimately speaking, that's a really well put together kit. Right. Yeah. And, and it's all high quality 
but very light. Yeah. So, you know, mm-hmm. it's uh, $130. Tourniquet? And they do have the tourniquet, yep. They do have a tourniquet, do have a tourniquet. Nice. yep. Nice. And, and does do they have like an Israeli style bandage? I don't believe that's in this. That would be one. the only that's a that's a big one for me. Right. But if you go to Stealthy Hunter's website and look at this kit and you decide you like it, when you go to checkout, use promo code the Northern Hunter and you'll yeah. get it for a little bit less than that hundred and thirty dollars, I believe it was. $129. Yep. There you go. So but back to the inreaches. Now inreach one of the things that they are beneficial for like you said is you keep in touch with your wife you keep in touch yep. with um your boss at the time you know yeah. and, and you're actually able to let people know if you're okay or if you're not there's mm-hmm. preset messages in there that you mm-hmm. can send so if yep. you can just hit preset one and it'll send to all of your buddies and your wife that you made it in safe you know and then mm-hmm. everybody knows everybody's okay with it that being said you know they, they do have an app too that links through bluetooth device and you can use it and actually text on your phone mm-hmm. I say that because there's a recommendation I have for everybody, and it's they have the full-blown Garmin inReaches, which is the Garmin inReach Explorer, and uh, I forget what the other one's called, but there's two models. There's a yellow and an orange one. I have the Explorer, I believe. Not anymore. Oh, did they discontinue that? They discontinued the Explorer and the Explorer Plus. Oh, really? Yeah. Man, I've got an ancient model now. Yep, me too. So, But the thing with these is that they have a, a actual texting platform on the device. These are right. full-blown models here. Now they have, looks like the newer ones have maybe a touchscreen setup. They the have, Garmin, uh, let's see, they have the 66i, which mm-hmm. is this one here. It has a full-on GPS. Okay. I, oh, have I like that, that one. screen. I need to get one of those. No, no, you don't. I have this one. <laughs> this is the one that quit charging on me. Oh, really? Yeah, okay. this is the one that failed. The and smaller I had, one? Yes, and I had to warranty it uh remotely through my wife contacting go hunt mm-hmm. and they uh refunded this one and sent me one of the last explorer pluses that oh, they okay. had in their gotcha. shop at the time so garmin discontinued the explorer plus and the explorer this last year yep. now i've heard no. that they are redoing the explorer plus okay so they're going to come out with a new version of it but they ran out of parts and hardware to make it and so they yeah, hadn't updated it in a while. That's... So they decided to just discontinue it and they're going to remake it and come out with an updated version. So right now... That's the COVID economy, man. Right now they have the InReach Mini 2, the GPS Map 66i, and the 86i, the 86SCI, and then mm-hmm. the Garmin Montana okay. is the full-on touchscreen huge gotcha. uh, unit, which there is a guy that I know that uses one of those. It sucks the juice, man. Oh, I bet. It's, oh, I'm sure. It's I awful. Bet. It's awful. And that's the thing I like about mine is if I just use it yes. for check-ins every once in a while. Leave it off th- th- all day long. That thing will yeah. last me a week. If all, all you're doing know, is like, running... Dude. Yeah. If all you're doing is running a wheeler... Moose hunting, yeah. the Montana would be awesome. Mm-hmm. Right. Especially if you can just keep, you can it charged. keep it charged. Yep. You can run it off, charge no. it off your wheeler. You can mount it to your wheeler, whatever yep. you want to do. Yeah. But back back to the point I was making, though, is that they have the Garmin InReach Mini. Yes. Yep. The Mini is a smaller version of the InReach, and what it does is it, it's basically an antenna only. You can do some maps. You can do some of those features, but there's no texting. There is. There, there is. There, there is. On the device? Yeah, there it's is. It's preset messages. No, it's not. Is it? No. Do they have actual texting when, as so, well? There's no buttons. Yes, yeah, they're on the sides. They're on the side. Well, on the sides, yeah. But yeah. That, no, that there are buttons. Okay. Well, maybe we can go back and, there and, is, and <laughs> cut this part out there, there because no, 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 no. It's fine. But, it's fine. It's fine. So this is a selector, and this is your up and down right here on the button. Okay. Well, and so on the text function, 
what you do is you have to go through the alphabet up and down with these arrows and select one letter at a time. When did they upgrade that? It, 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 because so the it, inReach, it, it's been a thing. It's just the original it's inReach a super mini big pain. didn't have that. The Mini 2 does. Oh, that's why. Okay. The original okay. Mini had the presets. Then, then go, go ahead and buy the Mini 2 then. I did not realize okay. they had updated that feature into there. The yeah. original Mini didn't have it, that setup. and It is still extremely the, tough to text off of that. The thing is, when you message... And when you hit that SOS button, you're mm-hmm. gonna get a message that says, <laughs> right, "Is right. this a real emergency?" You have to be able to respond to that message. They're not yeah. just gonna send somebody to your location, right? So you're supposed to text them and tell them what's going on. Mm-hmm. You know how much of an emergency it is. Are you just stranded somewhere, or are yeah. you literally gonna die in the next hour? Yeah. And and they will get somebody out to you, but being able to respond quickly mm-hmm. is is a very important feature here. Yeah. And with this. With the new two, that looks like it would be a very long time. But what I was going to get to saying with the um, with the old, the mini one that I was used to, is that you want to have a redundant texting system. Like I said, mm-hmm. there's a, there is an app that you can get on your smartphone with these. But right. if your phone dies, you still want to be able to text out. If you're in reach for whatever reason, the screen's black, but it's still on, mm-hmm. or maybe you know you're you're unable to use the buttons, or you need to work faster. You can use the app to text faster, just like you would yeah. normal normal yeah. text message yeah so that would be my recommendation is i don't particularly like the minis i think that the, the yeah. bigger screens the, the bigger versions of these yeah are, yeah, yeah. are my recommendation yeah. a little bigger keypad and, I, and they're better for the maps too the image yeah. does have a pretty good map yeah, setup. it's made by do. garmin so right i use obviously the hunting apps on my phone but right. it always makes a good backup i try to keep yeah. waypoints on my garmin as well But if you're worried about weight the mini is two 3.5 yeah, it's yeah. itty bitty yeah. so it's about the size of a cocoa pebble <laughs> yeah yeah i still have the explorer plus yeah i think it was the Me explorer too. and the explorer plus yeah. the original model i think i think the explorer was the yellow one and the explorer plus was yeah. the orange one i have the orange explorer plus okay i bought it brand new through go hunt this last fall when my 66i quit the 66i does not have nearly as good a battery as the Explorer does series. Really? Yeah, not at all. Yeah. With my Explorer Plus, if I only turned it on at night to text my wife and check in with the boss man, mm-hmm. uh, th- you know that that Explorer Plus would last, I mean, two weeks on a full charge. Yeah, a long, long yeah. time. So anyway, I, I I do think that the old Mini, the original Mini, you can text off of it as well. It, you it's, can only do presets on that one. Yeah. Just, Are I you sure? Made it, pre- te- made presets it or Bluetooth with your phone. Really? Yeah. yeah. So, the, so there was no that was, option. That was the, they actually came okay. out with the Mini 2 very quickly. That was the reason yeah. I was okay. turned off by it. Was okay. like, I was looking okay. at getting the Mini to save weight, but okay. it just, it, that, that okay. was the one feature that turned me off to it. But I, I had the impression that they fixed yeah, that. I had the impression that you could do it off the old one, but I, but I, I only know that because there was another... That th- there was a packer that was working for the outfit uh, this last fall that I was working for, mm-hmm. and they had the Mini Two, I believe it okay, was, and gotcha. they were they were able to text uh, using that super slow system, and it yep. took a long time for them to send, <laughs> you know, a, a very easy short message, but you yep. have to go through and type one right. letter at a time up and down through the alphabet. It's a pain, yeah. but if all you have to do is respond to the SOS and say yes, right, yeah, then yeah, that, that you, you know can, you can do that. And if we're wrong on this, this is great content for a future housekeeping option. So. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> now, and, and one thing I wanted to bring up, and this goes for both your inReach and your trauma kit, is location. Yeah. Do not get a trauma kit and bury it in the bottom of your pack, man. Don't Mm -hmm. make sure it's accessible easily. Because here's the thing. If you're needing it, 
Right. You're mm-hmm. not going to be wanting to dig through your entire yeah. pack and, yeah. and unload everything if mm-hmm. you're even able to do that. And the same thing with the inReach. Yeah. If you're in a situation where you need to push that button, you're not going to be taking your pack off and searching through unless you're just stranded somewhere and you need it you need a, a rescue but yes. if you're hurt and you're injured and you may, let's say you sustained a head injury and you're a little foggy mm-hmm. and you're you know you're maybe mm-hmm. your your vision isn't exactly or your you know your mentality isn't exactly where it should be you want to be able to have quick access to that i typically keep mine clipped on right up on my shoulder and it just kind of rides there mm-hmm. it doesn't bother me it doesn't bounce around and smack into my my face or anything mm-hmm. like that it's just right on my pack but if i need to hit that button Mm-hmm. it's right there yeah you know my pack so, never leaves my back unless i'm eating lunch yeah so i'll take that a step further uh that, that there are some things that you need to always have on your person mm-hmm. not even just in your pack yep. yeah i always have some sort of fire starter mm-hmm. on my person yep my in reach on my person my yeah. cell phone on my person yep because i take off my pack when we stop to rest on a sheep hunt yeah okay if you stop and sit down and you start glassing, your pack comes off. Mm-hmm. A lot of guys I see clip on their inReach to their pack like that and to their shoulder strap, and I've seen them come off. And guys just freak and they go... What do you mean come off? They come off of your pack. They come unclip somehow off of your pack. Huh, I've never had yeah. that happen. I, 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 we had That's it a happen. pretty sturdy carabiner they come with. We had so. it happen on, a, on, on a, again, one of the packers, a different different packer and he lost his in reach wow. off of his pack on a sheep hunt and had to go back down the mountain and find it and no he found kidding. it he found it but <laughs> that being said i keep you know on on your hunting pants you know uh, let's just throw another shout out out there we'll sound like a sponsored by stone glacier show <laughs> but um on the de Havilland pants you have two side pockets down on your thighs mm-hmm. on yep. one side i have my cell phone that i can connect to my in reach on my right side thigh pocket, I have my inReach. And in my upper pockets, on my regular pant pockets up top, I have fire starter on one side and earplugs. And on the other side, I might have like a pocket knife or something like that. Yeah. You know? So some of those things should never leave your person. Because if you do take off your pack, it, you could get separated from it. And uh, you, you don't want to ever be yep. you know, separated from those essential things. So... Keep your in-reach on your person. Now, and, and to kind of go into that too, a lot of manufacturers of vinyl harnesses are making mm-hmm. pockets for yes. your in-reach that yes. are designed for the different models. You can find yeah. one that fits yes. your exact model of in-reach. Yep. And it'll go just to the, the left or the right, whichever your preference is. And like mm-hmm. you said, when you take your backpack off, it's right there. Right. You know, and I've, I've hung my in-reach kind of like on your backpack strap where it kind of hangs along your strap so it's not in your way. I've done that with uh, uh, vinyl harness too, where it kind of hangs across the side of my vinyl harness to where it just kind of sits there. It doesn't yep. flop around a lot. And I haven't done that lately, but um, it's what I've done with some of my older harnesses mm-hmm. and, and that worked really well too. Yeah. yeah. And, and to be fair, when I'm in a situation where I don't have my pack on, like let's say I get back to camp and I'm just mm-hmm. hanging around. Mm-hmm. If I turn my pack off, that in reach comes off the strap and it goes on a belt loop. Yeah. You know, and, and it, because like you said, if it's not on you, it doesn't do you any good. See, so uh, here, here's another thing too. And this is just a personal preference. I'm OCD about keeping track of, st- I don't like having to think, is my inReach still on my pack strap? Is my inReach still clipped to my bino harness? Is my inReach still clipped to my belt loop? I like it. It works from your pocket. I just stick it in my pocket. I turn it on. Then I yeah. turn the screen on lock screen. Mm-hmm. It doesn't turn on. It doesn't push any buttons by itself. Yeah. Stick it in my pocket. It still gets service. Yep. And I that way it's just on me. Yeah. I, I don't like setting stuff down. And it's because 
I lose stuff if I set it down, you know, mm-hmm. and I don't like having to keep track of that right. all the time. So however it works for you, yep. but keep it on your person. It's a survival item. Yeah. Fire starter, knife, cell phone, in reach should stay on your person. And honestly, everything we've talked about right now should be on your person regardless of the length of the time you're going to be out there. Yes. If you're going to go on yes. a day hike, you never know what's going to happen. You yeah. could get a mile off the road and yeah. end up breaking a leg. Yep. You could get, you know, it might be a nice sunny day to go out and ride around in the white mountains on your wheeler mm-hmm. until you get 10 miles back there and your wheeler breaks down. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, I'm sure Mo's going to have a lot of stories. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, and it, it doesn't matter if you're out there for a 10-day sheep hunt or a, mm-hmm. a one-day just exploration. Mm-hmm. You know, make sure these items are on you because... Yep. It can be life or death sometimes, and it so, happens in an instant. Yeah. But, so, so I mentioned a knife always being on your person. Yes. So let's chat about that. Absolutely. Having a knife and a quality sharpener. Now, I don't yep. keep a sharpener on my person. I put that in my pack lid or right. something yeah. like that yep. with my pack stuff. But I've always got a knife on mm-hmm. my person. Yep. You know? yep. Uh, and now, oftentimes, it's not a Leatherman like on my belt. Right. Although yeah. I keep a Leatherman in my pack. Uh, you know, when you're wearing a pack belt, that waist belt does mm-hmm. interfere. You keep it on your with, bino harness too, don't you? Um, I, I, I don't. I don't put my Leatherman on my bino harness. Okay. I, it's, I thought it's, I saw it in there. For it's some too big. No, no. But sometimes, you know, I'll I'll put my Leatherman in my pack, and and but then in, instead, like I said, I'll carry a smaller, like a folding knife, in my pocket, yeah. so that I've got one on me. Something that you can cut bandages with, yeah. or you know, just something handy to have on. It's it's a survival item. Every if you ask me, every man should have a pocket knife. Yeah. But. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I agree. So anyway, having a quality knife, but not just that, like on your person, but every time you go out, even if it's not in your pocket, like a smaller one is, you need to have a knife in your pack uh, for, you know, yeah. it, it, if the situation arises, you know, again, it'd be a real bummer, but if this happened and you had to DLP a bear on, on your hike on yeah. a, on, on a, on a well-traveled trail, and you had to shoot some bear that charged you, you need to be able to skin the thing out and take care of it and go report it and take it in. You don't want to have to go all the way back to your vehicle and then come all the way back in with a knife and then skin it out. Yep. Have a knife on you. Even for quick just day trips and scouting trips, keep a good hunting knife on you. You know, whether you go bench made or homemade, it doesn't matter. (laughs) And, uh, or a razor blade. Or yeah. a razor blade. I, 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 a razor blade would work in a pinch. It, it, it's I, not I, I, see, I wouldn't use it to skin a bear. <laughs> if it's all you had. If it's all if I, it's all had, I, I had, would it. be better than using my teeth. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, but, so, so keeping a quality knife. Real quick, like, what uh, are some knives that you like to keep on you? Just, just a couple of recommendations. We'll just. Oh, boy. Okay. So I'm pretty partial when it comes to sheep hunting to the Benchmade Altitude. Okay. Ultra light, ultra high quality steel, holds yep. an edge forever, doesn't weigh anything hardly, yep. and I can do an entire sheep without having to sharpen it. Yep. It's phenomenal. And I use it on caribou hunts as well. Yeah. Like I said, and the whole thing is orange. Yep. So it's pretty hard <laughs> to yeah. lose it. Yeah. Well, I, and that's, I like orange on my knives. Yeah. I just do. It's funny you mentioned that because I'm a, I'm a Benchmade guy as well. I like the steep country. That's the one I've been carrying with I ha- me. I have a steep country yep. as well where yep. weight doesn't matter as much. Uh, like like for the Southeast Alaska deer yeah. hunt that we went on a yep. couple of months ago, I brought my steep country knife. Yep. It's a little bit softer steel, easier to sharpen, a little bit more belly to the blade. Yep. 
it's a little bit nicer for more of that butchering style. Right. Whereas sheep, you can just do it all with one blade. And and, and you can use the altitude on bears and whatnot. Oh, sure. My yeah. buddy Remy used to use an altitude on a brown bear and skin nice. the whole thing out. Uh, it worked. Bench it worked just that's fine. That's made for you, man. Uh, but, but, but it's a different style of blade. It's a little bit more of a straight style blade mm-hmm. than the steep country. It's a steep country is more of like your traditional uh, shorter bellied out blade. Right. With yeah. not so much of a point. So the steep country is a great option. I think that's 130, 140 bucks, something like actually. that. Oh, is it 180? Yeah, 180. Okay. Yep. The altitude is like 300 bucks. Yeah. But it's really high grade that, steel. Yeah. I was going to say it's super, super, super high grade. Yeah. Super hard steel. And you got to know how to sharpen it or else you'll wreck it. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah, it's not yeah. your average uh, bevel degree. Yeah. So anyway. Uh, and and the, I would recommend everybody keep at least two knives in your pack. It is going to yeah, be my recommendation. I, I at yeah. least two knives. In, in my case, I have a, 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 the Benchmade I just mentioned, the yeah. Steep Country, and then I also have a couple of different knives from Outdoor Edge, which mm-hmm. is kind of the, the polar yep. opposite end of the spectrum. There, yeah, and yeah. You can get a whole kit for like 50 bucks. Yeah. But they are they don't hold an edge very long. You know, mm-hmm. I, I have done a full moose without having to sharpen one. Mm-hmm. But what I found is when you do have to start sharpening Must them, have been a small moose. It, it was a, it was a it was, it was a spike. Say, it was I, a spike. Honestly, I but, love outdoor edge, but I've never gone so, through a whole moose well, with here, more. <laughs> this is what I'm saying. This is what I'm saying. Is that was fresh out of the box. It was the first time okay. I'd ever used it. Okay. I I I bought them. I tried them out on a couple things at home, and I was like, "Cool, this works." And then I put them in my backpack. Ended up getting a moose. Got to do the whole moose. Are you talking about no. replaceable blade outdoor no, edge no, knives? No, I don't like those. I like the oh. uh, the regular run of the mill so, hunting okay. knife kit from outdoor oh, edge. Okay, it's gotcha. they're the same thing. They're orange blades, and they're just they're 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 really well shaped blades. Mm-hmm. I would say for what you're trying to do. Okay. The problem I ran into is that that initial sharpening is awesome. Once you have to start resharpening it. Hmm. It doesn't hold as well after that, and I'm not sure why. I've you know, tried I've run- ten different sharpening methods, and I've even had other people sharpen them just in case I was an idiot and didn't know what I was doing. And it just seems like once you have to do that initial sharpen, it just—I don't know if it softens things or it just moves things around. You know, I don't know what happens. Interesting. But it's like once you sharpen it, you have to keep sharpening it, ah. and and you never get that first initial mm-hmm. duration of the of the blade that you would originally. I have see. a, a Gerber. But, for 50 bucks, you get three knives. Yeah. They, they have the best style gut hook I've found mm. so far. It's a it's a kind of a reverse blade style, so the blade kind of arches backwards. And yeah, the, I've the seen The inside that. of yep. the concave is, is where yep. it's sharp. So you can get your initial cut right above the sternum and then run it back down towards mm. the groin, and you just kind of keep a finger on each side of the blade and just kind of push that skin to the side, and you just unzip it and it just it works phenomenal on no matter what you're working on mm. so i love that cool so I, I i've run a gerber the same exact experience where i loved it my first time i cut anything up with it, it was amazing mm-hmm. and now because i like it so much i actually have a couple gerbers yeah and one's more like a it's kind of like a half ulu like a you know a native ulu. oh yeah, right? yeah, yeah. yeah, okay. yeah. yeah. it's kind of like half of that with you know it's got a t-handle yes yeah. between between your four fingers and uh and it's amazing for like skinning close mm. but like once it dulls it's not really worth putting an edge on to keep skinning with especially in like a moose yeah now if i'm gonna do a deer or something like that it's something i keep in my kit if i'm not if it's not a like ultra light kit mm. deal but yeah and i have another gerber like almost pocket knife style that i like for skinning mm-hmm. love it same but but it's the same way once it dulls mm. it's just not worth yeah. the time i 
so I do like the outdoor edge replaceable blade knife. Okay. Mm-hmm. If I was going to pick a knife to have in my pocket, it would probably be one of those with a fresh blade mm-hmm. and a few extra blades in the pack. I always have one of those with extra blades mm-hmm. alongside of my other yeah. knives. Yeah. I love that because it's a very, very versatile. How durable are those replaceable blades? Very, very durable. Are they? okay. They're very not durable. like the um, Gerber or Havalon blades, yeah. which are really good for, for clean, close work. Mm-hmm. But they're not, you know, you don't want to be, you don't, I have popped joints with those replaceable blade outdoor okay. edge. And ne- mm. I've never broke a blade and I've popped gotcha. joints with those things. Mm. Like, you know, where you're digging the knife into the joint, trying to cut the tendons yeah. and stuff. And, I, you know, I usually try to keep the, the Gerber hard blade for that. Okay. But, you know, I've never, I've never broken on the outdoor edge. Mm. Usually when I'm trying to count ounces, I take, so for instance, on a sheep hunt yep. or on a backpack, grizzly bear or caribou. I'll usually run the Benchmade Altitude and a Havilon knife yep. with yeah. several replaceable blades. And then you've kind of got all your bases covered right, right there. So yep. I, I will take apart the animal with either the Benchmade Altitude or mm-hmm. if I have it on the hunt, I, I, I've got uh, the Steep Country. Yep. So I, my dad made uh, a knife for me that I've used as well in place of one of those Benchmade knives. It, it's, it's a you know, hunting knife style. I um, see. Yeah, I've seen that. That's re- that, that's a yeah, really nice. That one, one works really well. Yeah. I've I've done whole brown bears with it. I've done a couple with that one actually, and uh, that one is a really good knife just to take the animal apart. But then I like the Havilon replaceable blade because it mm-hmm. has that surgical feel and yep. detail ability that you don't have in a bigger. And it's got knife. a nice big handle. Yeah, and that's so right. I like using that to turn the ears and turn the face and pull yep. toes out on bears. That is where the Havilon comes into its own. And if right. if you know how to use it and if you're experienced with a Havilon, they are a good tool. Yep. I don't like using them just to take game apart. I, I have broken <laughs> blades doing that and I and I don't I don't like doing that. Now I'm gonna interject here because yep. my recommendation for a pocket knife. Mm-hmm. So you know, you have your fixed blade knives in your pack. Yep. You should always have a pocket knife in your pocket, mm-hmm. like you'd said before. My recommendation for that, I have the Havilon Jim Shockey edition. Okay. And that actually has the replaceable blades yes. on one side and then yes. it has a fixed or not a fixed but a folding out yeah. actual full on knife blade on the other side. Yeah. Yeah. And it worked great. Yeah. You know, it has the nice I love the handle on it. It's got the kind of the the really nice grip texture on it. Yeah. Works good even when it's wet or bloody. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and I used that for some of the deer we got yeah. down there when I was taking them apart and mm-hmm. and the the blade on the other side of that does work fairly well for yeah. for skinning. So yeah. Right on. You kind of got both both spectrums on one knife. Yeah, but I, I mean, for me, for the most part, that's all I carry. I, I tend to carry, uh, like I said, one Benchmade or the other, depending on the hunt. Mm. For a sheep hunt, the altitude, because it saves ounces. Or a caribou or moose would be the steep country. And, uh, and then and usually with a brown bear, you know, I, I'm not backpacking, so I'll carry a couple. Uh, right now, my dad is putting a new handle on a knife for me that was my grandpa's old uh flesh and knife and it's got like a six inch long blade with a super super aggressive curve towards the end of it, mm-hmm. it it's it's a flesh and knife and so he's putting a new orange rubberized handle on it for me right oh, now that's cool it is going to be a sweet sweet mm-hmm. brown bear flesh and knife i mean really yeah. any kind of flesh and that's the knife i'm going to go for yep. I, I had a i have a knives of alaska fleshing knife right now but it's smaller doesn't do as well as like a bigger, almost like an old butcher knife yeah. type of blade. 
It's not fancy. It's not expensive, but uh, it works. It's an old proven design, you know. So anyway, yeah, but so, that's not something that I would carry all the time necessarily. I will say um, with the replaceable blades, uh, something that's a great option. It's fairly low priced. If you're looking for that surgical feel knife, mm-hmm. the Gerber makes one like a Havilon. Mm-hmm. Now it's maybe, th- I don't know if the handle's even three inches long. Yeah. And, and I use that for a long time. Somebody, real nice guy, bought me a Havilon for Christmas. I'm looking forward to using oh, yeah. that. It's got a nice big handle, a lot bigger, a lot bigger blades, but still you can just do that mm-hmm. nice pointed mm-hmm. surgical, yep. you know, turning toes. It'll, it'll be amazing. Yeah, exactly. Um, You know, I used to turn toes with a, uh, like those old small case pocket knives with yeah. two blades. Yeah, yeah, it's got yeah. have the longer one and the shorter mm-hmm, one. Yep. That longer one, you know, if you, you you had to sharpen it all the time, mm-hmm. but you had that surgical yeah. you know, ability with it. And, and I mean, I think the Havilon is yeah. going to be amazing. For yeah, that. the Havilon is awesome. Once you learn how to use a replaceable blade, it's, it's hard to go back on it for detail work like right. that yeah. for turning faces. But anyway, we now, can, when you are using these knives yeah and you are in a situation where maybe you are using these knives a little bit late in the day mm-hmm. because like i'm sure many of us have been in and you drop an animal at eight o'clock at night on moose season in september mm-hmm. headlamp's a good thing to have on you yes it is <laughs> yes yeah. which brings better us to our than, next point better than just a headlamp you can get the peaks backcountry duo headlamp Ooh, that is my headlamp now of we're, choice. we're not sponsored by them no nope. No, yeah, we are not partnered with Peaks. Yeah, but I, uh, I, I picked up a backcountry duo in July last mm. year. I, I no, it was before that. I had it in the spring, so I, I must have bought it in like March yeah, or April. Yeah, did. I did. Uh, anyway, so I used that spring bear guide, and I used that, and uh, you know, spring is not a whole lot of dark, mm-hmm. but uh, up here in Alaska, we get daylight pretty much round the clock in the mm-hmm. middle of summer. But yeah. As the fall season progressed and into September, we started getting dark again at night and using a headlamp is an essential item. And having that in your pack at all times, Mm -hmm. even if you're just on a day trip, always have a headlamp and an extra battery for it or batteries if you use a double A or triple A or whatever you use. Always have an extra battery or batteries for your headlamp so that you have a fully charged headlamp plus a full charge backup for whatever battery it takes. That 18650 lithium battery that the Backcountry Peaks headlamp takes uh, lasts a long time. It is rechargeable via micro USB. I like those options because you can get those batteries with the port on the battery. Yes. And and now the Peaks headlamp does have a charging port on the headlamp itself. Okay. So I like being able to recharge my stuff. Yeah. I carry solar panels when I'm out guiding. Mm -hmm. That's That's a big thing. Being able to recharge your battery packs when I you're can, out there for months. I can carry fewer battery banks. You know, I, I I usually carry two battery banks, and I'm thinking about just carrying one from now on because of how efficient solar charging is. Mm-hmm. I can go a long time on one battery and just um just recharge it with the with, with the solar panel during so the day what, um, right. on the good days. What kind days. of solar panel do you have? Well, last year I used. Uh, what, what, what's what's the brand? Uh, goal Zero. Goal Zero. I I, I was wondering about that. I, so. I used a Goal Zero last year. I'm gonna switch this year. Are you gonna go with? There is a better brand that, ironically, uh, Ryan Lampers was talking about on, okay. on a podcast, and I can't remember the name of it. So um, he likes the uh, dark energy battery banks. Yes, right? he likes. Do you the, have any of those? No, okay. I don't. 
Uh, I, I'm also going to get some of those because some of my battery banks are a little worse for wear now and they're showing it. Uh, I, and and yeah, I, I, I noticed that my Goal Zero battery banks don't seem to be holding as much of a charge anymore. They seem to you know, last not quite as long. And the solar panels don't charge all that quick. And I, ironically, in September, I had a client that had the same solar panel that Ryan was talking about. And when they were, when Brian and Ryan were in town and I went out with them in September, at, at the end of September there, after their moose hunt, we were talking about um, uh, solar systems. And, and I mentioned that I had a client that, that had one of those anyway. And he, uh, he mentioned that they have the same panel, but I, I think they had a three panel version of this solar panel and my client ended up having like a five panel, but mm-hmm. I mean, it charged stuff crazy fast extremely fast so anyway like i said this last year i used a goal zero i have used them for a while they work but they're slow and they're not nearly as quick as uh as this other brand is i'm actually going to look it up okay um well while you're doing that while we're going um the headlamp i think is just as important to have a redundant system Mm -hmm. as let's say fire or knife or anything like that Mm mm-hmm I like to try and keep two headlamps on me at least. And one thing I like is that if you get the right setup on your bino harness for mm-hmm. different pouches, I mm-hmm. I kept one in my bino harness at all times. And and I used it was a black diamond, just a smaller headlamp, not I'm gonna get the rechargeable version. They have two kinds. Mine is non rechargeable. It just takes a bunch of AAA batteries. There's no yeah. charge port on it at all. The newer ones do have a charge port on them. Yeah. And that's, I need to upgrade mine. When you have it on high and it's really dark out, especially if it's wet and no moon and there's just, the light right. doesn't reflect off anything, you know, you have to have it on the high setting when you're out there. And I ended up in a situation, this is a little over a year ago now, uh-huh. where I was taking apart a moose with a good buddy of mine and we had two bears circling us the whole time. And we were out there, he shot that thing at 8 p.m., you know, sun went down an hour later and we were, there was no moon, uh, no moon mm-hmm. at all. A little bit of cloud cover. Couldn't even see the stars, man. It was, and we knew these things were circling because we had to run them off beforehand. They came within yards of us and, you know, having a, a, a headlamp on full tilt boogie like that on mm-hmm. full mode, that'll drain your batteries pretty quick. Yeah. Even with, yep. and you know, these bigger battery versions, not so much, but. Still, you know, it takes you it still a couple, takes more couple than, hours to take that moose apart, yeah. you know. So, definitely keep extra batteries, and I would recommend keeping an extra lamp on you as well. Yeah. Maybe keep, yeah. like I said, with this black diamond, it's very small. I can just wrap the headband around it, and it, it goes in my, my little pouch on the side of my bino harness, mm-hmm. and I never even know it's there. It's yeah. really lightweight. If you get a bigger one, that in your pack, mm-hmm. you know, keep it in the lid of your pack just in case you need it. Yeah, you know, have a, a much brighter, yeah. brighter setup if you doesn't hurt to it. have two if you can afford the weight. Yeah, so the so. panel I'm going to buy this year <laughs> is the Anchor Power Port. I think it's a 21 watt three panel, and uh, so Anchor A N K E R Anchor Solar. Oh, panels. Anchor. Okay, yeah, that's a well known uh, electronics brand. Yeah, they they have a phenomenal mm. choice. They're- their three, charging three panel, options are really good. Three yeah. panel and five panel option, and you have multiple USBs to plug into. Nice. Except for their in the wall outlets. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you ain't taking that hunting. So nope. that's, anyway. for, that, that's for our home improvement podcast. 
So, so anyway, yeah, <laughs> I, I'm going to be trying out the anchor solar panel this year. So nice. just that to answer your question. to see how that goes. Yeah, me too. I wonder how their battery banks are. I haven't. I don't know. I might actually have one. I don't know. I have a yeah, I have okay. a couple older battery so, banks. They've done really good at yeah. battery banks are getting smaller and, and, and yeah. bigger. And, and, and that kind of is a good thing because battery pack is on this list. Yeah. So, well, yeah. so we kind of already talked about that a little bit. Yeah. But. yeah. Well, dark, dark Energy probably makes the most durable and well-known mm -hmm. durable outdoor brand uh, battery packs. Like I said, I have several of the Goal Zeros. Mm -hmm. They work great when they're new, but after a couple of years of use like all mine have had, they... <laughs> They start showing their right. age yeah. pretty quick. Like I said, they don't hold as much of a charge. And if you leave them sit and you don't use them and recharge them, drain themselves they off. drain. Yeah. And so, you know, I, I'll, I'll put a battery away and it has four lights on it. Mm -hmm. It's full charge. I'll pull it out a week later to, ch to charge my phone or my inReach. And it's got two. Yeah. And I haven't used it. So, you now, know. Now, I'm going to get a little bit technical here. I want you guys' opinion on this because I don't actually have a... a uh, battery pack in mind okay. in mind currently that's something i need to fix this year and because typically the only you know like i said my headlamp's not rechargeable the only thing i would need to charge is maybe my phone or my in reach but mm -hmm. these new iphones last days as well so oh, yeah the, the only i've got it in airplane mode the only thing i'm using it for is onyx or go hunt yeah. so yeah. depends on how much time you spend on your map right yeah <laughs> but but so like one what size battery pack would you say to go with and two what what is the primary use you use it for? You know, what so, is... So... Yeah. My, my thoughts on, on both size and primary use, for me, I like to read... Depending on the hunt, you end up doing a lot of reading. Mm -hmm. If you have sitting in camp and stuff, um, I like to read on my phone a lot. I've got the Galaxy Fold. Okay, yeah. So it's got the massive screen in there. It even feels it, like a book when you're reading. It's oh, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> Do you like fold it in and out every time you turn the page? No, no I don't do that. But that'd be such a cool feature, though. Oh, yeah, <laughs> it seems kind of you know. It, it just turned my screen off is all it would do. But um, it's a great phone. I love it. You could you know, it's got the phone, the screen on the one side. Now you know, I guess one one phone. One thing we've talked about having on your person is a phone. Mm -hmm. I'm on the top. Yeah, I love this phone. It's a little heavier. I love the maps on the big screen. I love reading on the big screen. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Movies in the tent when it's pouring rain yeah. on the big screen are amazing. Yeah. Um, that being said, because it's got the bigger screen, it does suck more juice. Yeah. It's got yeah. a bigger battery inside it. Um, I usually can get it in airplane mode if I'm not watching movies and stuff on it to last three or four days. Mm -hmm. Just fine. Right. But um, so, so battery pack size is kind of a use case scenario. Mm -hmm. you do some research on your phone. Yeah. Figure out how many... Uh, I think it's mega or milliamp hours. Right. Yeah. Your phone battery is because mm -hmm. that's because, you know, you're going to buy a battery pack and they're going to say five phone charges. Well, not necessarily. Right. Which that, phone? that depends yeah. on the phone. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, and it's also like, if you're going to take a battery pack for a three day hunt, you don't necessarily need a solar panel. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. Yeah. And so like, okay, well, if you know, you're only going to need to charge your phone once or twice and maybe your headlamp a little bit, yeah. um, figure out how many amp hours or milliamp hours your phone is your headlight is all these things how many charges approximately you'll need give yourself lots of buffer space mm -hmm. um yeah. and you can get a battery pack or multiple battery packs basically because they're and they're all going to be sized accordingly yeah. you're going to have a you know i think i have two like eighteen thousand milliamp hour battery packs yeah which should give me two or three chargers on my phone i believe yeah and, and which size wise how big is that so those about ones are a little size older. Of your phone. About the size of your phone. But yeah, they're okay. they're those are a little bit bigger than than my yeah. phone. Mm -hmm. I mean they're thick. They're 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 maybe an inch thick. 
by you know six inches long by maybe two and a half inches wide. Yeah. Um, yeah. Maybe not. Maybe five inches long. I really like something about the ones I have, and that is when I'm in a hotel room or something, they have on them a uh, that the two prongs that flop out and you plug it right in the wall. Oh, yeah, nice. just hangs on the wall. Kind of doesn't really matter in the backcountry, right? Yeah, but they are nice for that. I don't even remember what brand they are. I've had them for a long time. I haven't really had to use them. Uh, I usually just you know when I when I go moose hunting or something in my wheeler, it's one less cord to think about when you're right, when you're staged right. up getting ready to leave. I know? usually have more options for charging when I when when I go somewhere like for you know a backcountry hunt is when those are going to be a lot more mm-hmm. needed. I haven't taken those on a hunt like that yet. I probably would end up buying some dark energy or something for that, or I might take one of those along just to see how it does. Yep. I don't know what they're another big another big issue actually today with charging is charging speeds. Yeah. Um, you can go buy, I'm sure a lot of you have bought a, uh, little 12 volt charger for your car at the gas station. You go buy a little $3 one, you plug it in, you plug your phone in and it's maintaining it at 3% because mm-hmm. that's why you went and got that charger, you know, on your way home or whatever on your road trip. Mm-hmm. But it takes, you know, when it takes 30 minutes and it's gone 10%. And you wonder what's going on there. It's because it doesn't have the charging capabilities that some of the newer stuff has. I have a 12-volt charger for my phone that'll charge this big phone in about two hours. Right, yeah. Um, yeah, you were using that. Yeah. Right, it, which is really good. And so those those bars are going to be the same way. Okay. Now, when, you, when you're increasing your charging speed, you can decrease the battery capacity because it'll take more juice to charge it faster, if that makes sense. So you kind of got to... All those things matter. I would say do some research on it. Mm-hmm. A good rule of thumb is if, you know, I would say, you you know, you want to charge on your phone at least. You want, you know, a charge on your headlight, maybe your inReach. Usually you can get your inReach to last at least a week. Oh, yeah. You know, if you're it, careful with it. If you're it. careful with it. Yep. If, if you're texting all day long every day <laughs> using maps and stuff all the time, it'll suck ju- juice dry in a few days. But, um, yeah. Which is, again, why I like using the maps on my phone versus the maps right, on my inReach right, because then right. I'm not using inReach battery for do maps. No. But yeah, like just to figure out what your phone battery is, figure out what your in-reach battery is, your headlight battery, yep. give them all a charge or two and, and get a pack that's around that size. And you can say, okay, I've got one charge for everything mm-hmm. here. Or you might be able to get a pack that'll give you two or three. And a lot of times you don't need, end up needing to charge your headlight. Right. Because you, yeah. you're going to be careful with it. Yeah. You know, but you have it to charge your headlight multiple times mm-hmm. if you need to. Mm-hmm. You're going to be careful with your phone, yep. you know, or depending on the hunt, you re-redundant and bring two packs more than you should need. Hopefully you only need one, but that way yeah. if you do end up stuck in camp watching movies for a couple nights. Right. So, which is a good option if you're not yeah. being weight, weight and, attentive. And movies actually use surprisingly less battery yeah. than they used to on phones. But. Now from someone who, who does do more of the ultralight hunting, yeah. what would you say your go-to yeah. size is for your pack? So let's see here. I'm speaking in goal zero terms because that's what I've had before. Yep. Usually I would carry two of the three charge banks Mm -hmm. and those are about, I don't know, four inches tall, about an inch wide. I'm sorry, about an inch deep. And then probably, I, I don't know, four inches wide, I guess. Four inches wide, four inches tall, little square thing. And that would usually charge my phone three times. Okay. Um, give or take, mm-hmm. depending. But like I said, they were starting to lose their battery. Right. Now, I have Dark Energy pulled up. Their battery bank is the Poseidon Pro. And they have 10,200 mega 
Mariah, what does this mean? M-A-H. A milliamp hour. Milliamp hour. So 10,200 uh, for battery capacity in the Poseidon Pro. So I'm not quite sure where that lands. What phone do you have? I have the iPhone 12 Pro Max. Big. Yeah, I have a big <laughs> screen too. But my iPhone battery on low power mode and airplane mm-hmm. mode if I only use it for maps and I'm turning it off when I'm not using it, yep. I can get my phone to last a week. So, so that, that mine too, phone yeah. has uh, a battery of 2,815. Holy smokes. So <laughs> that's about 3,000. Yeah. And how big was that pack? 10,200. So you've got three and a half. Three, three to four charges. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, and now when you plug your phone in here and there, you're, you're going to feel like you're not getting the number of charges because right. you're going to grab 10% here and 10% there. Next thing you know, what happened? I didn't get my charges. Well, you right. did. You just, mm-hmm. right. you just yeah. struck them out. It just seems like it goes faster so, that way. And the Poseidon Pro also has a built-in light of, 30, oh, nice. of 35 lumen light on the end of it. They are armored. They are waterproof. They are shock resistant. They are probably the best configured battery pack for hunters and, in mind. And what are those going to run people when they buy them? It's like uh, this one's twenty bucks. Looks like it. Yeah, this is their new one. That's pre-ordering yeah. their new oh, okay. one. You can get ooh black high-vis orange camo and high vis orange. Obviously, I'm going to get high vis orange. Right. Let's just go to checkout. One hundred twenty. A topic yeah. for another time, but. People really bucks. shouldn't be buying camel stuff if they're going to be using it in the woods. Cause <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're yeah. right. We shouldn't talk about <laughs> yeah, that right we're now. Not gonna <laughs> talk about it right now. <laughs> it's a big pet peeve of ours, though. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, the Poseidon Pro is what I'm going to go with. I'm probably going to buy three of them. Yeah. And I'll probably only what's, ever carry two at a time. What's the weight on one of those? I mean, we can look in the specs uh, really quick. It's probably quick. on here somewhere. Yeah, they can endure a, a crush second. force of 1,000 plus pounds. Nice. Wow. Uh, <laughs> I'm not going to say. <laughs> anyway, well, Whoop. yeah, I, I'm not exactly sure what okay. the weight is. Yeah. My computer is kind of freezing. But as right somebody now, that so. counts ounces, you're comfortable carrying two of them. Yeah. For, for the reward yep. you're going to get. For the reward that. I'm yeah. going to get, I can be very generous. I, I can be frivolous okay. with my battery usage and charge my phone as I need to. Yep. I can watch a movie at night if I have the desire to. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I can also keep my... Uh, my peaks headlamp charged up if i'm using that a lot yeah if. yeah so i've always got extra because you never know right and i'm charging three things in reach phone headlamp yeah and if i'm using all three of those a lot i could go through a lot of juice and yeah. what if i don't have any sun for 10 days right yeah. what if i can't use my solar yeah what if i have to rely completely on batteries i want to have enough that i'm in the clear with that. So anyway, yeah, so that's what I'm going to use this year. I'm going to use the anchor solar panel, the three panel, and I'm going to uh, use the Poseidon Pro chargers from Dark. Right on. Nice. So, so I think these next two we can talk about kind of simultaneously because I think it's it's going to be a pretty pretty yes. One of them is going to be pretty quick. Yeah. So and that is extra rain gear and dry in, a dry insulation layer. I don't know that I would say extra rain gear, but rain gear. Rain gear. You yeah. should never go out anywhere no. without rain gear. Now, the two things I carry in my pack religiously, yes, for these to tackle these two is I will take uh, a small layer of, of thermals. Mm-hmm. I have a pair of socks, and I have just some extra clothing items, very small clothing items, and I vacuum seal those. Mm. And I have a vacuum sealed replacement of a of a thermal top and a thermal base just in case okay. i get wet and i'm and i'm cold and i need to warm up in camp okay i've got extra socks in case i get my socks wet for whatever reason and this is outside of whatever extra socks i might pack 
yeah. an expectation for this. This is yeah. even in my day pack, I have extra socks in a, in a vacuum sealed bag. Yeah. And then for rain gear, I literally have just a heavy duty poncho in my day pack. Now, if I'm going out on a long-term hunt, that'll change and, yeah. and I will change that up. But for a right. day pack, when I'm just expecting to go out scouting an area or mm-hmm. I'm just on a, on a four-wheeler trip or something like that. Right. A poncho meets all my expectations. Yeah. You know, I've used them out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's your legs might get a little damp, but it's not the end of the world, yeah. especially if you're not in a, in a survival situation yeah. necessarily, because if you're in that situation, you're under your tarp. Yep. So. Exactly. I was going to say that you have your tarp. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yep. But I like always having rain gear that way. If I've got to be hiking somewhere and I've got to be moving, I can always just throw on my rain gear yep. and mm-hmm. I'm just good to go. I think the best rain gear pound for pound on the market is the Stone Glacier M5. I've used that sheep hunting and guiding, and I like it. I've used Mm -hmm. other brands of rain gear uh, that's maybe tougher overall that might last a little bit longer, more abrasion resistant, but Mm -hmm. it's bulky and it's heavy. Yeah. Uh, For instance, the Sitka Stormfront jacket that I've got, it's waterproof. Yep. it's it's awesome it's durable it's tough rubber cuffs but it's big and bulky and heavy it takes up as much space as my jacket and pants right stone glacier rain gear does how does that um m5 jacket say compared to that uh, my uh, omen storm shelter it's it's about the same fit and feel on the Mm -hmm. outside it feels the same it's like that very quiet brushed finish. It doesn't have like that uh, oh, scratchy right. tarp oh, sound that that, that yeah. storm shelter mm. has. The storm shelter is like a hard shell. Yeah. That's more M5, like a traditional Gore-Tex almost. Yeah. And the M5, well, it is Gore-Tex. The right. The M5 and the First Light Omen uh, both have more of like a quiet finish outside. And I like that. So the M5 is what I wear when ounces count. If I'm in a base camp style or I'm brown bear guiding and I have room to bring bigger stuff, then, you know, I'll wear that Sitka jacket mm-hmm. and, you know, waiter pants or something like that. Yep. Uh, I have used the Kuyu Yukon series rain gear a lot. It, that stuff holds up great. I've got the Yukon pants. They're awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, the, the Yukon jacket, I feel like there are a few things that I would change about it, but it is waterproof. Mm-hmm. I've worn the, the Kuyu Katana as well. I've had some issues with that. I'm not going to go off into all that. But I, I have <laughs> yeah. had some problems with it. So we'll leave that at that. I, I, I'm not going to wear the katana anymore. I, I sold it. And it, it's, it's, not that it, it's not that it didn't work at all. It's just that for what I wanted it to do, it didn't perform the mm-hmm. way gotcha. I wanted it to. The fit was awesome. It, it fits great. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't matter to me if it doesn't do what I want it to do right. as, a, as a rain gear piece. So anyway, no, I... How far are you able to pack down these kits? I mean, the the M5 is tiny. Is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's phenomenal. Another really good set of lightweight. You know, and because we're talking about things that should never leave your pack. So right. you're talking about, you know, all those things that we're talking about here. Yes, they're all small things, but by the time you throw them all in a little day pack yeah. to just go walk up your hiking trail, that's only a four mile round trip back to your truck. Like we said, three miles is a long way from your truck yeah. if you break it your leg. Yep. So you got to have what you need to stay there yep. because it, you could be a quarter mile from your truck. And if you can't make it back, yep. you're going to die of exposure out there just as just as easy as you would if you were 100 miles from exactly. your truck. So or, having this stuff with you. It's a lot of the areas we drive to to get yeah. through those places are right. hours and hours right. from civilization. If right. your truck breaks down and you're on the side of the road. Yeah. 
you yeah. know. At least you've got shelter. Right, yeah. But anyway, so yeah, th- th- this this rain gear set, you know, you're probably going to be looking for a lightweight packable option in a set that should never leave your pack. I know the new Sitka Dew Point jacket is a jacket and pants. That's their ultra light sheep hunting mm-hmm. uh, application of rain gear. Okay. And I've heard nothing but good things about it. Yeah. It is Gore-Tex. It is ultra light. You'd think you're just going to tear it apart when you put it on. That's the impression I got from it, just looking at it. But I know some guides that have run it this last year, the new set, and they swear by it now. It's even lighter than the M5 is, but the M5 is very close to it. And I think okay. that the M5 is more durable than the Dewpoint is. I know it is. Mm-hmm. So for that reason and, you know, just personal choice, I stick with the M5. But the Dewpoint is light enough and compactable enough mm-hmm. that you can even bring two sets of rain gear in your pack. If you're wearing one set and you're out as a guide for a long, long time, you can afford to have the extra weight back at camp of your dew point set as a backup set of rain gear. That'd be a good option and not a bad one. So anyway, yeah, I, I just for having rain gear that's always in your pack, something light, something packable, I like the Stone Glacier M5. I think it's yep. well-made stuff. It fits good. It's waterproof, does a job, and it doesn't take up a lot of space and weight in your pack. My it, choice for an insulation layer, like you said that you bring uh, vac-sealed thermals and socks, <laughs> Generally, I don't bring extra socks in that regard. If I'm sheep hunting and I'm out there for two weeks or something, I'll bring one extra pair of socks yeah. and you know just change out every couple of days. That's just how it is because I'm not carrying that much extra garbage. But if, 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 it's a, if it's just a day pack and you're just going around and it's not like an extended hunt situation, mm. it doesn't hurt to have an extra pair of something. That's not going to be a penalty. Uh, for an insulation layer, I keep... All uh, any other clothing items I have go into a Sea to Summit compression event dry bag. Okay, that you know that way, pack gets soaked doesn't matter. What's inside that needs to stay dry stays yep. dry, yep. right? So in that regard, I like for Alaska. I like synthetic insulation. I don't think there's a better option on the market than the Stone Glacier Cirque jacket for a lightweight, but lightweight and relatively packable. But ultra warm, mm-hmm. moisture fighting, moisture wicking uh, insulation layer to, mm-hmm. to never go without in your pack. You know, even in the summertime, if you go out oh. in July or August, <laughs> how many times have we all seen it snow on the top of the mountain in the middle of July? Well, that's like you and I Multiple were. Multiple times. You and I were out at, at the bait this last spring because mm-hmm. that was June. Yeah. And you, you and I were bundled up. Yep. You know, I mean, because if you do get stuck out there overnight, oh, you're yeah. not moving a whole lot. Yeah. Which, I mean, sitting in a tree stand till yep. one in the morning represents, right. you know, kind of r- replicates that yeah. setup. I mean, right. we had four layers on. Yeah. Piece, you know? Wool jackets yeah. and vests. Yeah. And yeah, <laughs> you it know? gets and chilly. Yeah. And that's June. So, I mean, yeah. it's. Yeah. And you're going in and sitting down sometimes at 75, 80 degrees. Yeah. Right. Sweat on the way in. Yep. And, and then, then it drops freeze. down to 40 at night. And it yep. gets real cold really fast. Yeah. When you're used to summertime weather. Yeah. So, I mean, anyway. It depends on location. And I like that Stone stuff, Glacier Cirque jacket. That's mm-hmm. that's a big one for me. I, I need I, to get one of those. I, I, I like mine too. I, yeah. I, won't, I won't go anywhere hunting without it anymore yeah. as far as like backpack hunts. I, I, I'm. 
And I'm also buying the new Cirque vest and Cirque Light jacket that they just came out with for 2023. <laughs> it's in my cart right you now. Know, Cirque Light seems like it'd be the perfect option for this dry Cirque insulation Light's layer. Cirque be awesome. Because it's going to be super light, yeah. super packable. What, you don't even know it's there. What did the weight they get? What did they get that down to? Do we know? Mm, I don't remember. Because I know the Cirque itself doesn't weigh hardly anything. Yeah, the Cirque is pretty light, but the the Cirque light is not just lighter weight, but it's less insulation. Mm -hmm. It's more of like an active mid-layer type yeah. insulation, and it's paneled. Yeah. It, it's not all that synthetic insulation, so there's hey, it's paneling. Cheaper. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and they offer it in a green now. Yeah, they offer it in tarmac. Now, now how would you like compare that. the warmth rating of that to, say, the, the Sika Aerolite? Above don't know. Haven't had it yet. Yeah, so you have, yeah, have to wear it for I don't know. Right? Not really uh, sure yet. Let's see. What's our uh, fifteen point two ounces? Okay. Okay. So we look at the less regular? than a pound for a, a whole coat. The regular. That's Cirque. for the mid layer version, the Cirque Light, and then for the full on Cirque insulation. Let's see here. Yeah, I'm buying the Cirque hood vest too. Right side. <laughs> One pound for point eight ounce. So all right, yeah, twenty point eight ounces. That's, that's pretty light. So yeah, <laughs> even the full on Cirque yeah. is pretty lightweight. So yeah, like I, I said, I picked I picked yours up, Mo, and I was astounded. That does but, not pack down as much as the Grumman down jacket does mm -hmm. from Stone Glacier, but like I said, the synthetic down. insulation yeah. mm -hmm. is going to work even if it gets wet when you put it on. Yeah. So are you ordering the light now too? The Grumman light? No. Yeah. No. Nope. All right. Nope. Anyway, so, so the last thing I have on my list here, yeah. and then anything else that you guys have, is a 10-round cartridge wallet. Mm -hmm. Whatever rifle you're bringing hunting, I really like having, uh, having a few extra rounds in my pack. Yep. Yeah, usually I have uh, like a like a stock sleeve on my mm -hmm. rifle yep. that I put a couple of rounds in. I have three in the magazine of the gun if it's a you know magnum rifle. Three in the gun, maybe a couple on the stock sleeve. Mm -hmm. So that amounts to five, let's just say. And then I have a ten round cartridge wallet in my pack that never leaves my pack. Right. Yep. That is very important. You obviously want to have ammo, but. For me, when I go sheep hunting, I have 13 rounds. That's all I carry. Yep. And, you know, three in the gun, 10 in the pack, that's that. If I can't get it done with that, then I'm done. <laughs> and, you know, anyway. So that's something that I feel like 10 rounds is a good, it, it's not a whole box. It's mm -hmm. half a box. And it's in the same spot, keeps it from rattling around. And, and speaking of vinyl harness options, you never know. You never know yep. when you can, uh, you know, when you're going to need a few extra rounds of ammo. Yeah. And you hope you don't need more than one. Yeah. And, and a, anyway. lot of, a lot of vinyl harness manufacturers are making extra round holders. Yeah. And, yeah. Yes. And, and in, in the case of the one I had recently is there was the case that I had my extra rounds in was actually the same one I would put my headlight, my headlight in. Mm -hmm. And yep. so there you go. But they make like, I mean, they, I like the idea, honestly. I didn't like it at first, but I think I'm coming around to it. Mm -hmm. Is the flip open one with 10 rounds, five and oh, five, yeah. and you just, uh, you just pop it open and boom, it flops open. You yep. pull your rounds out of the elastic and then right. you're good to go. Yeah. Exactly. The only thing I would say in addition to this list we have right now is some form high caloric food. 
snacks mm-hmm. something yeah. like that keeping yeah. some kind of bar some kind of you know jelly beans a bag of jelly beans <laughs> that's no. probably not the best we, option we have, a, we have a bag of jelly beans on the desk people, something so. <laughs> like um i like the cliff uh energy blocks yep they're really good just something small and light and all that kind of stuff yeah um Anyway, yeah, there's lots of options for that. Yeah. You know, Sportsman's Warehouse actually has a decent section, like, of a few different small yeah, things like yeah, that. Yeah. Because, yeah. again, if you end up getting but, stuck but you're somewhere, right. you're yeah. going to want to have a yeah. snack at least, you know? Yep. I mean, don't bring a full course meal, but, you know. Yeah, but ha- have enough to get by yep. for mm-hmm. a night or so and, you know, yeah. enough to survive. Make but, sure if you end up stuck, you can you ha- you keep the energy to not only keep yourself alive, but also maybe get yourself out. If you on that note, water filter. I ah, forgot. Yeah. Always bring some kind of a water filter or water purifying tablets. You can figure both. out. You can figure. Me too. I yeah. I have a little little tablets. They don't weigh anything. Mm-hmm. I also have a tiny little pump filter. Yep. And it, you know, up you, to you how much you want to carry for water filtration. Yep. Better safe than sorry. Absolutely. Having GRD ain't any fun. We talked about that earlier in the podcast. Yeah. That it'll it'll wreck your hunt. Yeah. Real quick. Yes. And, you know, is it? Life-threatening? No. Well, it, no, can, it be. Well, can be if you end up getting uh, stuck somewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But will it ruin your adventure and your, the, the experience that you're yeah. going to have? Yeah. Absolutely. And an expensive, so. pair, and an expensive pair of pants or something yeah. like that. <laughs> but, and, and you but, know what? On that note, Giardia doesn't go into effect right away either. Yeah. Giardia takes oftentimes 10 days to two weeks to, to, to take effect. But you can get other... Uh, um, problems in the water mm-hmm. you, you, you can get other I'm, I'm spacing out on the word that i need to say there but you can Parasites get you can get other, other things stuff, yeah. from the water potentially i, I that use, can affect you immediately that, that yeah. you want filtration there's a for. lot of stuff up here in alaska especially if yeah. the water it's any kind of stagnant oh, sitting there oh, so man bad. you have to filter that so i i carried a life straw with us mm-hmm. um i was when we were down there in southeast and you know the it worked good I kind of I'm veering away from that as my primary water filtration mm-hmm. simply because it it does take a while to get a drink. Yeah, you know it's not a very streamlined straw. You kind of right. You know you got to work to get your drink, and if you're just trying to catch a catch a quick you know uh-huh. gulp, you know yeah. in between hikes, then you know yeah. it, it'd be nice to have something else. So I've been looking into they have the life straw yeah. pumps like you man you, like yeah. you mentioned, and you can just kind you of can, use that to fill up your your water yeah. bladder or your yeah. your canteen and, and and you can also get stary pens too that use ultraviolet light yeah, that yeah. kill everything I think you gotta let that, it sit for like 20 minutes and then it's good to drink but yeah 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 it it uh yeah i i I, th- I think there are some of them that work faster than that but anyway yeah. at any rate if you want to rely on batteries for that i personally don't but that's no. a personal thing anyway so. All right. I think that's about all I've got for yeah. what should never leave your pack. Yeah, that's pretty much my whole day pack right there. <laughs> if, we, if we end this in the next 30 seconds, I think we'll be shorter than the last episode. Hey. Now, hold on a second here. What shouldn't ever leave your rifle is your Stealthy Hunter <laughs> rifle cover. There you go. At least until it's time to shoot an animal. we got to plug that. So go over to Stealthy Hunter's website and shop the gear from Ryan Lampers mm-hmm. and uh, use the code for discount at checkout, yeah. The Northern Hunter. Yeah, and that'll give you a discount, and, you know, and that'll also help us support the show. While you're sitting under your tarp, getting out of the rain, glassing, they yes. have a nice little glassing pad out there. Oh, that yeah, that's that right. Make that right, comfortable yeah, for that's you. That's right. So, that's right. Yeah. All right. Well, you folks got any uh, any last minute thoughts on? I think that's all that stuff. All right, guys. Hunt well, good. Hunt safe. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we appreciate you guys listening. If you like the show, please uh, give us a rating, 
Share like, with your friends. Subscribe. Subscribe. Five stars. Check out our website. Everything we do goes onto the website. So if we have any new content up, it will be there. There's an email listing you can sign up for if you want to get alerts whenever we, we post new product or new uh, new content. So yeah. keep that in mind. Let your friends know. And thank you very much for listening. Yeah. We'll catch you next week. See you next time.